Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What? A comics podcast for the Savage Critics website. Episode 96 has arrived, and Graham McMillan and I talk up a freaking storm for two hours and 20 minutes with the first discussion of comics, hitting with absolutely no preamble chit-chat whatsoever. Blame it on the rain, blame it on Rio, but most especially blame it on Howard Chicken and Black Kiss 2, True Believer, because they're most definitely at fault. Other topics discussed include Earth 2 and the second wave of DC's New 52 books, Hawkeye number 1 and Avengers vs. X-Men number 9, a long talk about scrutiny, self-scrutiny, and Mark Wade's opinion of Newsarama, Richard Stark's Parker, The Score by Darwin Cook, Donald Goines' Daddy Cool by Donald Glutt and Alfredo Alcala, and Action Comics number 12 by Grant Morrison, Three Pencilers, and Four Inkers. As always, we hope you enjoy... Thanks for listening. Jeff Lester. Graham McMillan. Everything. My mind is broken, Jeff. <laughs> and why would that be? I read Black Kiss 2, Jeff. <laughs> and and he, here's the thing. It's not the sex. It's everything else about that book Dude, that has broken my mind. <laughs> isn't it amazing? Like, seriously, whatever my expectation, my expectations were for Black Kiss 2, I can safely say that Howard Chaikin, like, circumvented those. You know I, I mean? I'm glad you didn't say exceeded. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. That, that is one weird-ass comic. It is it, in every single way, and that's even having read Black Kiss. Well, see, that's it. I think you're <laughs> like I thought I knew how weird he could go. No, no, I did not. Yeah, Holy, I mean, really, I, I, I'm not. Yeah, it's wow. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. wow. And it's it's not. Here's the thing: people might think that I'm like, wow, the the cinema sex monster. No. I'm talking about, like, the terrible accents and the stabs at, like, cultural commentary are what have broken my mind. It is really strange. I mean, it's deeply, deeply... It's like if... Uh, it's it's like if Jack Chick and a Tijuana Bible tried to make a love child, you know? It is deeply odd. And I... I, as uh, you know, but I don't think the listeners will, I had planned to talk about it, uh, Darwin Cook's The Score, and this uh, graphic novel, Daddy Cool, that I stumbled across, thinking like, oh, this will be a great way to sort of talk about three different types of essentially crime fiction in comics literature. Because I think it's relatively safe to to um, describe the first Black Kiss book as crime fiction of a sort, you know? Yeah, um, totally. But th- this certainly was not. Like, I was just like, okay, so I don't know what I'm going to be seeing here. And it was like, <laughs> holy mother of God. Yeah, it's it's kind of amazing. It's kind of like Howard Chaikin declares war on, what, popular culture or cinema? Cinema, at least. Uh, yeah. In, in in the strangest way possible. It really mm-hmm. is. Howard Chicken works out his issues right in front of you in porn. <laughs> but, yeah, but in porn, but also in a very weird, like, how do I put it? Oh, like it's, a- it's, a, it's, it's a very, like, put this way, I feel like one fetish market will be really happy with this, if that makes sense. Like, it's it's... It's such a specific strain of porn. Are you there? Agree. Yeah, sorry. No, it was that classic, like, 
I'm going to like put this on mute while I type in <laughs> something because the desk is so noisy. Hold just one second, please. Pretend that never happened, and I'll just edit that all out. Ooh. No, that's fine. Because um, what? Well, yeah, but, no, but it it really is. It's like it's one specific strain of porn. It it's not. I don't know. It's it's such a it's such a weird book. Do you know well, what I mean? Like I'm totally imagining lots of people who have never. I had never read Black Kiss because Black Kiss is what twenty years old now. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> if not that, I would say actually older, isn't it? I swear I, to God, it came out in like eighty eight or something. Yeah, like maybe. So, so mm-hmm. I, I'm totally imagining people who have like learned a bit shaken from like his new Avengers work, mm-hmm. and then like he's doing a porn book that's great, and then reading it being like, what? What was that? Well, see, this is it. As someone who read the first Black Kiss, I was like, boy, I can't wait to... And then I put it down going, what was that? Like, I mean, I sort of understand the through line such as it is, but it is, like, the comparison between the two is so marked. Like, I I have to really sort of give uh, Chicken a certain amount of credit in the sense of he clearly set this up as a sequel. And the thing that's great is, in a way... Uh, well, uh, as a follow-up, let's yeah, put okay, it this yeah, way. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not necessarily – like, saying saying that this is a prequel is like saying The Phantom Menace is a prequel. You know what I mean? But it it it's, it's a follow-up to an original book. And sort of the same way that um, Chicken in the first book has that really pretty amazing sequence where he takes your expectations and – dumps them on their head he went for it like right out of the gate with this like you're in like maybe three i swear to god it was maybe what panel panel like maybe to the second page i'm like okay this is totally what chicken this is what chicken's going to be doing and then when it goes on and then it to goes start to talking the cinema. about yeah, yeah the cinema scenes right out it and it's like holy mother of god um, so he really is the thing. I don't know. It's, you know, and here's another thing that's, well, okay. So the one thing that I thought was surprising was, and, and maybe this is just me, unlike the first black kiss, uh, <clears throat> perhaps unsurprisingly, I, I did not find this especially titillating. You know what I mean? Like it's well, no, no, pretty... no that, that's kind of what I meant by like one specific mm-hmm. fetish market is going to be really well served from this. Well, because so, there, this is, but there's yeah. there's nothing. I don't find anything erotic or sexy about this book at all, right. at all. Yeah. yeah, and I think because the way the chicken did the first one, mm-hmm. because he was playing with your expectations, mm-hmm. there was still that charge. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And then he was like, oh, "Well, cool. actually, it's this." You know, which right. is actually, which was a really smart storytelling move. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whereas with this, it's like straight out the gate. And it's, it's such a specific fetish because he's really ma- like, you know, crossing, like he's crossing the streams of so many other fetishes. <laughs> so it's like, you'll only find this book sexy if you have a thing for historical fiction and hermaphrodites and demons. Right, and sort of your traditional tentacle rape monster. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's it. You have to have all of those. But you want to be lectured to while it's happening because that's sort of what I'm saying is is that um, 
how can I put this? Like, I, I kind of love the, the way you're saying that. Is you're like, well, I have all of those fetishes, and I still didn't find it sexy because. Well, see, and this is this is, and I think this is my problem. Is is I'm going to make this horrible admission, which is not so much. But I guess what I'm saying is, is it's just not especially. Um, I don't know. Even even having seen things like Legend of the Overfiend, which is kind of the classic Japanese, like the 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 godfather of Japanese tentacle rape anime, uh, I, I at least felt that there are. How do I put this? There's a there's a sense that even if you're not digging this, this has a very specific set of things that the person doing it is digging like i don't know how and i know that sounds uh, um as usual for me vague and exact but i guess what i can say is unlike the first black kiss where i thought like okay chicken is very clearly aroused at a good chunk of this and then you know goofing on himself and the audience and his own expectations and who knows might even be into some of the more uh outre stuff that he was doing um, but like you said, you, you almost can't tell because he's still presenting it in with with all the trappings, you know what I mean, of the erotic porn aspects of it. Whereas this is technically very clinical, like it's either clinical or it's clumsy, but there's not a lot of um, there's I, I, I would I would gather that I think even if you're a big fan of hermaphroditic hermaphroditic uh, demon tentacle porn slash rape you'd be like yeah but this isn't really it you know what I mean like this I, I kind of wish that we knew someone mm-hmm. who's it's yeah. not, do you know what I mean like I, 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 for all we know just like maybe, they could come on with maybe, like a voice filter yeah maybe we do but yeah it would be no, very no, but hard you know because I mean? I, I, yeah. I'm really curious because I think it's very mm-hmm. possible that there is something right. where they'll be like you know I feel like all of this should float my boat but it really doesn't Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And part of it is like, did this not seem like a really boring book to you? Oh yeah. Well, because it's it. Um, yeah. Let's put it this way. It. I was incredibly bored by it, and it was weirdly, um, even for someone like me who does not like chickens' work, it felt the the art felt bad. You know what I mean? Like, oh, that's interesting. Just, I thought the art was actually chickens' best art in a while. To, to the point really? where to the point where I thought that it was old work. Oh, that's so funny. Uh, no, for me, apart from sort of the photographic background stuff, even that that second page where he introduces uh, A. B. Gelbfein and uh, whatever her name is Rose. <laughs> oh, her chicken with your get this. He's a well hung Jewish man. Exactly. <laughs> oh, it it all but says it. You know, and Rose would no more bring this horse-cocked little Jew home to her parents than she would suck the Monsignor's cock again. That's, and honestly... That's, but that's the thing, like, even that mm-hmm. feels... I don't know if it's got, like, contempt for porn, but it feels so... Uh, this is what they're wanting. In a, in a, not in a, not in the same way that Black Kiss 1 did. Black Kiss 1 was like, this is what they're wanting. I'm playing a trick on them. Whereas this, well, this one is kind of like, oh, fine. Th- right. You know, this is it. I- it kind of, to, to me, it kind of felt like what he wanted to do was sort of 
everyone's expecting this to be my sequel, you know, to be Black Kiss 2, but I'm really going to, this is basically going to be my From Hell. You know what I mean? Like, it really feels like Chaken is using this to, I mean, as someone who sort of has followed his stuff without much interest over the last decade, it's leaps and bounds in terms of ambition ahead of anything that I, I've seen him oh, do for, you know. Yeah, but... But he but, does it poorly, yeah, it's is exactly, my feeling. The execution is so mm-hmm. terrible that you're, yes, that you're but, kind of left being like, oh, you know, just go back to like 1950s and, and with jazz shoutouts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Wait, are you talking about his usual stuff? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And this is very different, which is great. But, like, seriously, his, um, you know, AB, that first picture of him, pretty much looks like Fred Flintstone, you know, and doesn't even really look like the same face down at the bottom of the page from the same angle. And there's just a variety of stuff. There's actually this great shot of, like, somebody's cock where I was like, did he draw that with a Sharpie? Uh, The thing that's (laughs) hilarious... Is there were weird parts, uh, no pun intended, like I was looking at some of his genitals going, I'm really weirded out that I'm thinking of Eddie Campbell right now. And it's not... The worst part is, I totally know what you mean by it with the Eddie Campbell comment. Okay, thank God. I was like, okay, this is really going to make or break the podcast, I think. <laughs> no, I so. really genuinely do. Um, <sighs> but it's funny because you, you've now sort of summons the ghost of Eddie Campbell twice by referencing from hell and then referencing directly there. Wouldn't this be so much better if Eddie Campbell drew it? I, oh, at the very least, drew it. Actually, you know, now that I think of it, yeah, I wonder if, because, you know, Eddie Campbell does have that way of sort of talking about very abstract almost, and he, with a heavy dose of whimsy, but abstract concepts in his panels in, in his captions, while the panels d- are usually more uh, earthy, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, like, I say, yeah, I say from hell because I think of Alan Moore's ambition. But I do wonder, like, maybe Chaikin is a huge Campbell fan. And the 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 things that we see that we're kind of like, yeah, it kind of reminds me of, like, maybe he is actually honestly trying to, um, has been inspired by Campbell. And this is... Weird in the weirdest way possible. Black Kiss Two is is actually a an, a, a very odd uh, cousin to to Campbell's work. Yeah, but but in a the terrible American remake of that wonderful European film you liked. Sense. Oh, oh, completely, oh, completely. Like, um, God, what, there's a great example of it too, which is just like, yeah, where someone t- yet yeah, has taken a European film and when they remake it, they strip out everything and it's just clumsy and ugly and thuggish. But I mean, like, even even by Chicken standards, I really do think that Black Kiss Two is, um, I mean, it's ambitious, but it is clumsy as hell. Like, clumsy and in no way. Anything that I, I just like you said, it's boring. There's nothing. There's nothing that you can really feel anchored to, uh, which is, uh, you know, throughout the course of the work. There's no like even with the introduction of those, you know, of Albie and and uh, and Rose. Like even if that's going to, pop, you know, even if you pick up on them, I don't know, having lunch in chapter two. I I really was like. Um, you know, either Chicken's trying to do this for the trade, uh, 
Oh, he uh, he definitely is because the pacing is so off. Yeah, that you like, that you can tell that he's off. thinking. Okay, yeah, you know this is quite clearly going to be when I finish the book and it's all in one place. That's going to look right. like a really smart prologue that will then pick right. up like a third of the way through the book. But as right. like as a first issue, it's so fragmented that even right. like there's you couldn't you take the sex out of it, which you know mm-hmm. would leave this book with nothing. But you know, <laughs> no, but you know what I mean. Like if you if you take the the "Quote unquote shock element of that out of it. Mm-hmm. Just the structure is a disaster. Yeah, structurally it is just a disaster, and that's what I mean. Is is it's really a, a f- kind of a flabbergastingly bad work that you really have to like work your ass off as far as the benefit of the doubt goes to to make it seem uh, mediocre. And I suppose people are going to pick it up and be like, "Well, I don't know what you guys are talking about." I picked it up and I was kind of indifferent to it, but that's sort of precisely what I'm talking no, about. No, exactly. Yeah, you, ex- you. it should be – like being indifferent is a failure, I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like if you were to take a list of everything that is in this issue, write it down in a bullet point list um, and show somebody that list and ask them to imagine sort of what's in the comic book, I guess there's just that feeling of like – you look. You would look at that list and be okay. There's going to be something that's going to provoke me in some way. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? it, 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 yeah, in any way, and and you don't like. You get to the end of it, and you're like, "This is like okay, that existed." Yeah, exactly. That existed, uh, and and that's that's a that's really a stunner. That's a stunning thing that you just. I don't think I was expecting from Black Kiss Two, and really kind of like, huh. You know, uh, I um, it is in that sense, it's a real shocker. But I also did have that thing of like, yeah, and it's clear. It'll, who knows what it will become? But at this point, it's about as far as you can get from thinking of it as a, as a piece of crime fiction, anyway. So uh, here's the question: Are you going to get issue two? <sighs> I don't know. That's a really good question. Because um, I I'm not. And to be fair, I kind of knew I wasn't even when I got issue one. Like I got issue one because you actually gave it a shout out. It's something you're going to talk about. Otherwise, oh, otherwise I wouldn't have okay. got it. Uh, um, uh. But there's nothing in there to make me want to come back for issue two. Yeah, I think for me, um, how do I put this? If there's a way that I can get away with just investing my time, I will. You know, like it's been very hard the last couple of weeks in terms of I go to the comic book store and pretty much Hibbs and I are talking just gibbity gabbing constantly to where it's kind of actually hard for me to pay attention to what what is on the rack. You know what I yeah. mean? So, so you end up buying more than you would otherwise because yeah, through exactly. it, you end up buying. No, I totally understand. Exactly. So what I would like to do ideally would be to have a strong read through at the store of issue two and see, kind of see what's going on. But yeah, I cannot see in any way, you know, um, you know, just, just because it's kind of when you have this extensive, what feels like this extensive, a misfire out of the gate. And I, I'm not, I wasn't even paying attention and there's five more issues left. I'm just like, kind of like, where can you go? You know what I mean? Like, and I suppose the worst part would be if you pick it up and you get, essentially almost exactly the same as his first issue because you know his his storytellings hit sort of an entropic heat death and there's just not going to be anything yeah 
I, I, I don't know. I just – it it was a disaster. I mean it really was. And I, I have to say I looked on Comixology's top selling first thing this morning because I was like people are going to buy it digitally. People are not going to buy it in the store. They're going to buy it digitally because they, they, they'll be embarrassed. And sure. I'm so happy to see that it's not in the top selling. Well, but there there are reasons for that, which is, I mean, among other things, um, it had not cleared. I don't even know if it was submitted, but it didn't. It didn't clear Apple's the Apple Store sensors anyway. Oh, it didn't. At okay. Least, so, yes. Okay. I I mean that may be different today, but as of like say I think four o'clock yesterday, all of the new comics were up, and it most definitely was not on it. And so I was kind of like, oh, I wonder if they'll even clear it or if it's going to be carried digitally. Because you're I, right. There is a way in which it makes sense digitally to do this, you know? But, uh, yeah, it, well, it's available digitally through the website because that's actually right. where I bought it. Ah, ah, it was a digital purchase. It was a digital purchase. A shame-free digital it purchase. Was, well, it was because I was like, I cannot bring myself to buy this in the store. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you, my friend. Good for you. Uh, or bad for you, perhaps. Or I both. Don't I don't know. Because I mean, I'm then talking yeah. about it on the podcast. So it's not like I'm like, so I didn't buy it. Um, That's right. Nobody knows. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's not on there at all. So so that mm. that actually made me kind of happy. Something that's fascinating about it, the second best, uh, second top selling digital comic. Yeah. Earth 2. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. That's... that's um, how do I put this? I guess that's not entirely surprising. Really? To me. I, I, um, I'm surprised. Like, I'm not, if it was, if it'd been an issue where it's like, and Alan Scott is gay, wouldn't have been surprised at all. That two issues later, it's still up there is, mm-hmm. is kind of surprising to me. Well, how do I put this? Uh, but, 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 there's a lot of DC fans, like sort of quote unquote, older school DC fans, like you and, uh, Hibbs, for example, mm-hmm. um, that, that are keeping it alive. The book. Well, no, no, no. I, I that are that are actually kind of talking it up. You know what I mean? Like, I think a lot. There's a lot of people who are um, who who appreciate their, even though that it's a new world and a new Earth. Um, that Rob, there's something to Robinson's um, world building that has kind of a lot of, uh, I guess, sort of. Class that sort of that classic DC mix of like oh here's new stuff but here's also w- weird round the corner shout outs to old stuff I guess yeah that that make you know even someone like me is kind of like uh, yesterday when I was at the store between Hibbs talking about it and uh, the the recent bleeding cool review I was very strongly tempted to pick up issues of both um, Earth Two and World's Finest frankly so. You know, I think that that's, and, and I think Earth Two does have the bigger PR push. I, th- I think that you know, World's Finest is actually the sort of the quieter of the second wave books. But you know, in in theory, I would would wouldn't you say that DC had a surprisingly strong second wave launch for the most part? Yeah, I think GI Combat's a, a disaster. Um, mm-hmm. But I think otherwise, I mean, there was what Dial H, which is weirdly critically successful. Um, yes, the Earth Two and World's Finest have really got the fan thing going on. Batman mm-hmm. Incorporated. What was the other one? Because uh, there were six. So uh, wait, is okay. So GI Combat, World Finest, Finest, Earth Two, um, Two, Batman Incorporated, right? Dial H, 
Dial H, and then oh, is it another? There's another one, but I can't think what it that is. I thought was a Vertigo and is not. Maybe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What, what was the second wave? Shit. Well, unfortunately, I would Google it, but you'd hear I, all I, this. I, I like, am googling thump, thump, right thump, now, you know. and you. I will tell you what it says. Um, let's see, Earth Two, World's Finest, Dial H. Oh, the Ravagers. Oh, oh God! Wow! Yeah, yeah. That, right. that, well, the, yeah. That, I, okay, that's probably going to. Actually, that's probably going to be a fine mid-list book for them. I suppose, although I really do have to say, uh, and, and it, it's it not, had a terrible first issue. I remember that much. Yeah, it had a bad first issue, and at least from, I'm not seeing a lot of chat about it in in sort of an extended Twitter circle. Yeah, but, um, but I, I'm not even like I haven't seen a lot of chat about Teen Titans, for example, and that's apparently doing well enough that they added a spin-off title. Right, and Lobdell apparently seems to be moving. It, it seems to be considered a a kind of hit maker in the new Fifty Two. Apparently, well, yes or no? Because I mean, he's getting more books, but so do Drop Liefelds, and his book cancels. I think there might be just a he's he can handle multiple books, and he is available thing going on. Hmm. Interesting. Well, maybe, maybe. Certainly. I mean, although we'll, I mean, we'll see, we'll see. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, their 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 second wave worked out overall, which is is great. Good for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is great. Although the third wave Hibs was kind of like, eh, it looks kind of terrible. So, well, to be fair, I thought the second wave looked kind of terrible, and that is true. And you know, we'll see. Than- um, mm-hmm. I of the third wave, what is there? Sword, Sword of Sorcery. I'm kind of looking forward to, but I'm also kind of expecting to be horrible. I think it's going mm-hmm. to be the Mr. Terrific of the third wave, the one I'm like, this mm-hmm. could be great, and it turns out to be very not great. And I sort of try and convince myself that it is, and I just don't see it for a while. <laughs> is that the is that the Amethyst title? Yeah, yeah. The, okay, yeah. Um, and there's what else is in there? The Talon book. That's going to be terrible. Yeah. Yeah. What, what else? Was... What else is in the third wave? Mm, Our memories are terrible. Our me- Dude, if it makes <laughs> you feel better, I'm not even sure that I knew there was a third wave until until Hibbs mentioned it. I'm like, there was? He's like, yeah, remember? And I'm like, oh, right. But, oh, Phantom, Phantom Stranger. Right, the Phantom Stranger. Uh, which... And Team Seven. Yes, right. So those two look... Um, how to put it? Not <laughs> encouraging, yes. I guess. You know what I mean? Although, like, to be fair, I think The Phantom Stranger is one of those books that is very clearly planned as a limited run, and they're not saying right. it. Yeah. I, I refuse to believe Phantom Stranger. Anyone at DC thinks is going to run past the Trinity War story. Mm-hmm. I, I really think it's there to set that up. And oh, be, interesting. Because of that, I think it's going to get surprisingly high sales. Hmm. I think if they can get the buzz out, Mm-hmm. That, you know, this is the book that you need to read to understand who Pandora is and that Pandora is a main player in the Trinity War. I think it'll be a surprisingly strong seller, even though it's right. Dan DiDio and Brent Anderson. Oh, God. Oh, There's that fan favorite creative team that you've always been wanting to read. Holy hell. Um, geez, that is that is. <laughs> Did I did I ask you this or have we talked about this? But um, as as we know from kind of talking with our eyes rolled high the other week about Grant Morrison leaving uh, DC and wrapping up Batman Incorporated after twelve, do you think it's going to? I think it's going to get cancelled. I think it'll end after twelve. 
Okay, that is also what Hibbs thought, and I'm like, I don't know, because of course I would have thought that about Batman and Robin, which you know they did not do, and of course is now a surprisingly strong. But but that's that has a niche that Batman Incorporated doesn't. Right, Batman Incorporated at this point only exists to serve the Morrison storyline because all the other Batman books have dropped the Batman Incorporated idea. Batman Robin yeah. least has the tag of. This is the book that you get to read Batman and Robin in. Right. You know? Which, right. you know, you think could be any of the other books, but isn't. Like, Robin is right. very, very absent from the other mm-hmm. titles. So Batman and Robin has a hook, but Batman Incorporated mm-hmm. just doesn't. Well, unless you do the incorporated thing that that Morrison sort of himself has never really followed through on. You know what I mean? Which, uh, considering there was a lot of critical fanfare for that concept yeah but bobby um, dc very clearly backtracked from that with the new 52 do you know what i mean like right. they took other characters out of the batman costume mm-hmm. so they're hardly mm-hmm. going to be like okay he's a franchise again it just it just doesn't <laughs> like it doesn't work it, it kind of here's the thing it always kind of broke the concept a bit mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i think unless you've got the guy who created the idea doing it there's right. not really any point to do it Right. So I I, yes. I, I think I think Incorporated will will go. Whether or not it's replaced by another Batman book, I wouldn't mm-hmm. like to say because I could completely see them being like, Batman Incorporated's dying, but here is Batman and the Insiders take five. <laughs> you know, I could really see that happening. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And of course I think there is kind of a concept a, a belief for me anyway, an idea that if Scott Snyder turned around and was like, Yeah, actually I really want to write Batman Incorporated, I think they of course would be like, Well, okay. Oh sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, but 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 barring something like that, I think you're probably right. I think it's just not gonna happen. So here here's the book that you weirdly should have been reading to go along with <laughs> the score, but you couldn't have. Hawkeye issue one. Yes. Yeah, I could not have read that book. And it kills me. Jeff, I have to say yes, before Jeff, you get into Jeff it, Lester, yeah. it mm-hmm. will kill you. It, it it's I because there was a lot of people talking about it on Twitter yesterday, being like, "Holy shit, Hawkeye!" Before I went yeah. to the store, and I was like, "You know, that's great, but it's not going to be that good." It kind of is. Yeah, yeah. Because I believe me, as you know, I'm a huge David Aha Aha Asha uh, fan. Like, huge. Uh, can't say his last name. But love his work, as you remember from talking about that Wolverine long shot. Of yeah, course, his yeah. original work with Fraction and Brubaker and Iron Fist. So it it killed me. I looked. I honestly read that uh, Bleeding Cool piece. I think twice, just so I could look at some of those panels again. Yeah, it's um, it's it's lovely, and it's yeah, it's Fraction. Here's the thing: Fraction is not writing Hawkeye as such. <laughs> Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean like he's writing mm-hmm. sort of generic Fraction character? Because um, right. his Hawkeye is really similar to his Iron Fist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but it just works. Like, if you can get the idea of, you know, this isn't the same guy who has been an Avenger for all these years. Like, he acts horrifically out of character for that guy. Right. But if you can get over that, and the book is so good that you kind of can. Yeah. It's just this great... It's a, it is a crime book. Mm-hmm. It really is like he shoots an arrow once in the entire book, and that's in the first page. Mm-hmm. The rest of it is just him be, like dealing with thugs. And mm-hmm. for that matter, getting the shit kicked out of him doing it. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of lovely. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and it, it looks spectacular. Interestingly enough, yeah. it looks... I kept thinking that... I mean, it's quite clearly Azure doing it. Mm-hmm. But it really looks like Paul Azaceta's work. You know, the guy who did Potter's Field uh, with Mark Wade and then did some stuff with Spider-Man? Yes. He's kind of similar to John Paul Leon. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, I know what you really, mean. Really, really, really strongly strongly reminds me of his work, much more than Aja's. Well, it's interesting to, for me because I think Aja, uh, Aja's work started in, you know, it, I mean, it's just able to encompass so many influences, I think. Um, what was interesting at looking at the sample pages that I saw is it almost looks like if you were getting, um, you could get Alex Toth to try and do Starenko pages. You know what I mean? Yes. So there's a real um, kind of belief in, in sort of a, a simplicity as far as kind of the, the design and the cartooning go that I think I can really see hooking up with, like you said, with Leon or... Um, you know, Toth, or there's another guy who I was like, oh, yeah, this actually really strongly reminds me of even Trevor Von Neden. Yeah, you know, no, 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 totally. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But the, the reason it's that is said for me is like there's a thickness in the line mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. really reminds me of Azeta. But um, yeah, it's it's, it's 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 lovely. Or Cliff Chang, for that matter. There's a lot of. Yeah, Chang exactly. Well. Chang's got that same sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah. But, I, but yeah, it's, it, it's, it it's, it's, it's lovely. It really is. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful book. The sort of book, however, that you look at and you're like, so this book is going to last a year, right? Right. Like, which yeah, is maybe exactly. 18 issues. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but really, because I, after finding out the, the, about Punisher, Mm-hmm. The Punisher only lasted, I mean, really a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and Rucka's been up front in an interview and just been like, yeah, so Marvel told us, <laughs> like, the book is dying and we're going to take the character in a completely different direction. And you have, you know, six months to wrap it up. Right. Uh, so I totally think that, that Hawkeye's going to go the same way. I, 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 But hopefully, you know, touch wood, it means we're going to have, like, a, just a nice, you know, 12 to 18 issue run. Oh yeah, this yeah, date in there mm-hmm. and has nothing like doesn't all of a sudden you know issue seven Hawkeye and Spider Man you know f- meet up with Dormammu, right. you know uh, as, um, you know right as as drawn by Jock you know like, no but even like Jock could even fit in there is f- mm-hmm. from what's there but like it would be much worse if it's like now Humberto Ramos takes over for the arts. right uh, yeah, that's true you know that yeah something that would, more utterly dissimilar yeah, just yeah. horrendous. Mm-hmm. But so I'm, I'm, it's one of those things where like you kind of hope that it dies quickly before it can get corrupted. <laughs> right. Well, and, kind of I don't know. That's the way I go into it. Like, yeah, that's kind of the best case scenario. Yeah, in a way. Quickly. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's because here's the thing. I had the same reaction reading this as I did reading the first Daredevil uh, with Wade and, and Paolo Rivera. Mm-hmm. But that also brought back the look what's happened to Daredevil since. Mm-hmm. thing where it's like right. issue eight he's crossing over with a spider-man issue nine he's crossing over with punisher and spider-man <laughs> and you know in the first year there's four different art teams yeah, uh, yeah, yeah and yeah. so you're kind of like oh i you know i hope that doesn't happen <laughs> right no and that's my thing is is i i do love uh Aja's work but he's a guy who he's slow he's slow and i mean it's all it's all on the page but part of me is like you know, 
I'll be really curious to see what happens in issue seven is my thing. Yeah, I mean, just from a spectator aspect of, you know, uh, unless he's doing things significantly seven? different. I, yeah, I, I know. Yeah. I, will be, I will be surprised if this makes it to issue six without a villain. I, I'm yeah. expecting a villain in like issue four. Right. Well, and it could be. That could be that instead of doing, you know, the thing of like, okay, well, it's like six issues and then you give them three months off or four months off, they'll do three issues and, you know, three on and two off or whatever. I don't know. I just, it's... It's an interesting – I dig the fact that Marvel is doing it, but I find it, it – it's incredibly frustrating for me because, A, I cannot pick it up. and uh, but, but also, B, it's a book that exists outside of the market. Like, it, it, it's like watching a lone soldier get pushed out of the bunker into no man's. Oh, no, entirely. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, it's a risk. And they actually say this in the letters column. Where's the mm-hmm. column for a second? Um, work like this is easy to miss in a world where huge events grab the headlines daily. Now our job is to make sure you stay interested. Mm-hmm. Like, it, he's, he's quite clearly saying, you know, I know this book is a long shot. <laughs> but, but you've also got to bear in mind, so is Daredevil. Sure. And Daredevil, Daredevil made it, and I, I think, mm-hmm. it, I think it would be great if this is the fraction book that makes it. Yeah, you know, um, I would love that. I would love that, mm-hmm. not only because I really like this issue, but because mm-hmm. I think this is closer to what Fraction wants to be writing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'd much rather he got more chance to write this than to write, you know, underwater Avengers or whatever. Underwater Avengers is that the other Avengers title? I'm like, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, no, that, no, no, it's awesome. it's a new one. It's on. It's it's what happens. No, it's what happens when Namor puts Wakanda underwater in Avengers vs X Men. He's not. Don't worry. I was about to say thank you. I'm he, like, he did. He did attack it with a tidal wave, but that all got worked out. A tidal wave. <laughs> oh, can I can I spoil Avengers vs X Men for you? Well, yes, although I've also been somewhat semi-spoiled by following you on blog app. But uh, let's no, 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 there's more, there's more. Oh, really? So, Spoil away. So Avengers First X-Men is doing the thing that everyone expected them to do three issues ago, which might count as like a double bluff because they hadn't done it up until now. So people may, might have thought maybe they're not doing it, which is, guess what? The Phoenix Force corrupts everyone. <gasps> guess what? Part two. Emma Frost is getting the most corrupted. <gasps> I have I have so many problems with this, and I hope there's a swerve coming. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not only because the Phoenix Force is corrupting is such an obvious idea that it feels lazy, mm-hmm. um, but based upon what's in the latest issue, which is issue... Nine, right? Yeah. Um, it looks as if the women are getting more quickly corrupted than the men, which is so dodgy to me. <laughs> oh, like, I really have such a problem with that. Because you get mm-hmm. Namor who's a dick, but he's always a dick. So you, you're like, right. you know, he's not really been like, if he has been corrupted, you can't really tell. Sure. You've got, Colo- you've got Cyclops, who currently does not seem to be affected at all. Right. You've got Colossus, who's like, something bad is happening. I don't like it. And then you've mm-hmm. got Magic and Emma Frost both being like, I'm giving in to my darkest urges, but it's all right. I know. You're like, yeah, true, true enough, you do get Emma Frost being like, you know, I am completely getting overwhelmed by all these terrible ideas. 
Like, this, mm-hmm. I know this is going on. This is not good. I need you to stay here and ground me. She says this to Cyclops and Cyclops because the Cyclops is like, I've got other things to do later, sister. But, um, but then you see her going out and killing someone. No, no. You know, and it's just like, so the women are getting fa- corrupted faster. And there is just like, I don't know. It just feels such a loaded thing. Mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I can't believe it's got five writers you know mm-hmm. I can't believe one of them was like no you know what let's not make it magic because she's already a demon and so mm-hmm. she'd have a better you know let, let's say that she would have a better way of dealing with corruption let's make mm-hmm. Colossus because no one would expect that or let's make it you know what I mean like that yeah. of the, that it still nonetheless is the two women yeah. is is really problematic to me mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Um, and never mind the fact that I have the horrible feeling they're heading towards uh, and the ultimate bad guy is Emma Frost mm. um, which again it just feels horrifically problematic and also kind of missing all the character development Emma Frost has had in the last 10 years yeah I, I that's one of those like I will take your word for it because my understanding of Emma Frost's uh, character development is everything that happened with Morrison in New X-Men and then um, a bunch of people writing a sassy drag queen I, and I gotta admit I was not following the title very closely yeah, I, think that, I think that Gillen did more with her mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. Gillen got the the essential Morrison idea if that makes sense because I'm mm-hmm. feeling Morrison's take really was more nuanced than, than everyone else, in part because I don't think anyone else really knew what to do with her. Mm-hmm. I don't think they understood the idea of the character or, or what Morrison was trying to do with the character. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, I won't argue that, you know, you see, I mean, Joss Whedon, for what little he did with Emma, was was fairly dry queeny. Yeah. Yeah, and even, I mean, I don't think I even made, it, admittedly, it was at the very start, but I think, but I mean, I grabbed, well, it couldn't have been a start. I grabbed some random fraction in land X-Men trade, uh, and again, that sort of struck me as... Uh, yeah, but uh, Fraction is not a great character writer. Well, that's what you're, that's what you said before. I'm not necessarily sure if... How do I put this? It's just hard because I just I think that um, I think that sadly there's a there's a lot going on at Marvel that even the guys that I think of as who and who would think of themselves as progressive, um, you know, you know, feminist empowering dudes are still pretty much dudes. You know what I mean? Like there's still a lot of there's Marvel is a very dude culture. Exactly. Exactly. And, so and consequently, I, yeah, I think yeah, I think that, that even if people up. even if people go there with the best of intentions, mm-hmm. I think it's very easy to for the work to become dudified. Right. Right. So it's this thing of like, but no, I totally showed Black Widow like kicking everyone's ass. She just happened to be in the shower, guys. Come on. Yeah. You exactly. And that yeah. Kind it, of like, it's because you know there really is that, especially with Black Widow, where it's like I know she's wearing this like outfit that's been zipped up to her neck previously and now she's showing cleavage but it was hot that day right, <laughs> no, exactly it really is like that sort of like yeah. i'm kind of yeah. having, trying to have my cheesecake and eat it uh, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but uh, but despite that i don't think fraction i don't think like i think fraction has the very best of intentions 
but I just think his character work is not strong enough to be able to handle something like that. I just think he he works in broader strokes that I well, I kind of think that I think you've made that defense of Morrison too at certain points though. Yeah, but I, yeah, but I think Morrison is better at it than Fraction, if that makes sense. Mm. Okay, or maybe Morrison is better at that particular character type than Fraction. Yeah. That Which I might, might make true. sense because, I mean, mm-hmm. Fraction definitely does – like Hawkeye, Fraction definitely does that sort of schlubby guy out of his depth mm-hmm. trying to do the right thing and kind of pissed off about it really well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's like Morrison is also not a great character writer. But if you're looking for the common sense woman who doesn't take this bullshit seriously and just goes for the straight line through everything, that's what, mm-hmm. you know, that's a Morrison female character. Right, but as is sort of the arch, um, sarcastic character, the, the you know the Emma Frost is is a fairly mm-hmm. stock Morrison character as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe I'm completely contradicting myself. Um, but no, I don't I, think so. I, I mean, I, unfortunately, I'll really, I'll be really sad if it's like. Yeah, Emma, Emma. It was all Emma all along. Uh, and also be really sad if they get rid of that character at the end of the story and keep Cyclops because I've, I've, I said this back around Schism. Cyclops needs to die. He's not, right. he's not as interesting as everyone thinks he is and he'll become more interesting if he dies for his sins. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's, I mean, I kind of, yeah. I mean, that's, I would even, even with the cover art out, there's part of me that's still sort of convinced that if they're moving toward Emma Frost being the ultimate bad, then it's going to be, you know, essentially Cyclops ends up taking all of the Phoenix force into himself and wiping himself out. And so then he, and so, yeah, yeah so I you mean, do get that- the Cyclops kills himself. That's his sacrifice. He does the sacrifice the way that Jean sacrificed herself and you end the Cyclops arc you know, which has been going on for a long time. And then you've got, you know, you put Emma Frost in the, I, you know, I have to be the responsible person for him routine kind of thing. Yeah. It, it makes a lot more sense. Like us sitting here talking about it. I find it really hard that between, you know, the first half of their, you know, uh, sandwich at, Shake Shack and the second half of their sandwich at Shake Shack, they weren't like, oh yeah, no, absolutely, that's how we've got to do it, you know. We'll, in order to, yeah, we'll we'll see, we will see. <laughs> you're like, I don't think they, no, I no, think no, they ate that no, sandwich I, super fast. No, I think you're right. I think you make a really compelling argument, but I don't know. I don't know if Marvel is ready to say goodbye to Cyclops. Mm-hmm. I think the Cyclops has, has genuinely outlived his usefulness a long time ago and he gets kept around it's because people there really like the character and are like, no, this is really interesting, honest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I don't, I guess I don't trust Marvel to kill him off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. E- even, I- even if they then bring another one back from the, the past in, in all new X-Men. Right. No, I mean, Right, they've already got that kind of being pitched, and it's almost like Teen Tony Stark, but done differently. But no, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I'm. I'll be quite curious to see where they go with it. But it just makes a lot of sense. Like you said, how do I put this? Even with, I don't feel, and I could be wrong, that as many 
of this generation of Marvel writers uh, are quite so Team Cyclops as like a previous generations. You know what I mean? Like, well, who, who is who is the previous generation? Oh, I don't know. Like everyone, you know, like to me, <laughs> no, it's like no, seriously, because like the no, I would say that the most pro Team Cyclops writers we've had recently are the ones who are still there. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, 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 um, how do I feel? Like, I'll take your word for it because that's the problem. I can't, I can't list, you know, yeah, yeah, you, you, sit down and read them. Yeah. yeah, I don't read them. So, but it seems to me, and I could totally be wrong, is that there's a lot of, no, Cyclops is cool because of look, look at what he's doing, I suppose. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I always felt that at least when I was reading, Marvel Comics back in the 80s, like Cyclops is the basically the guy who the guy who wears glasses and is basically too overwhelmed with all of his responsibilities to know how to talk to girls, I guess. Yeah. Was a really, really potent archetype, you know? And which is which is why the whole you know, him and Jean Grey was such a loaded thing in the first place. But I kind of feel that there is a little bit of the, um, I just kind of feel like there's not as many of the guys at Marvel either identify with that or that they're so far past the stage of, hmm, even bothering to try and turn Cyclops into some sort of, you know, mirror version of themselves I think it's just kind of like, yeah, let's move this character around the chessboard because he's interesting because of all of his other ties to the other X-Men characters. You know what I mean? Like, no, no, especially I, I, when you... I think what the the current generation of Marvel writers think is interesting about Cyclops is that he is so far removed from his original character type. I, I, think, mm-hmm. I think they find that there's something inherently worthwhile about... He was raised to be the ultimate soldier, even though he didn't want to be. And now he's the ultimate soldier. Right. Well, and this is it. I guess that's what I mean. Is is like his Cyclops, the idea that I think everyone's been very excited by for the last couple of years is very much Cyclops. Is he going to be Professor X or is he going to be Magneto? And I don't think that that is ever anything that was ever even really a question in anyone's mind for maybe the what the first 175 plus issues of of uncanny x-men you know i mean maybe it went in and got in there later with claremont and jim lee and well after i jumped out no 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 i i i don't think it was there at all for Mm -hmm. definitely for claremont's whole run yeah i don't think so i don't even think it would have occurred to him but i feel like that is the super big piece of the puzzle you know for the last 10 years oh definitely but it's it seems like for me as well it seems so incredibly off Mm -hmm. it's kind of like you know spider-man is he going to be captain america or is he going to be hitler Iron Man <laughs> or Hitler. You know, it's like, what? Why, why did those become the options? Like, the idea, the idea for me that Cyclops would be either Professor X or Magneto is ridiculous. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, for me, if you're following the arc through, he can't be, he can't be either one. Right. 
like that. That that none the choice doesn't even make sense. And so the idea they're like he's kind of Magneto, everyone. Right. It's just like what? Yeah. <laughs> really? Exactly. That that mm-hmm. what? Yeah, I I don't know. I just I I find it, so I find it so I could be wrong, but yeah, I kind yeah of I I, I, I really find uh, the the way the direction of um, AVX to be troublesome at best but then again it's also like there's a relaunch coming in two months mm-hmm. you know two months really no, in fact, it's next month isn't it i don't know no, it's not like, it's october it is it's two months okay i was about to say are they even going to have avx wrapped by then or is that they like... are doing uh ultimate avengers no ultimate uh, uncanny avengers comes out I want to say this. It's definitely the same month as AVX Consequences because, of course, you can't have a miniseries at Marvel now without having a follow-up miniseries. Um, yes. But I want to say it might even like the first issue might even come out at the same time as the first issue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it, it's uh, wrapped up is a a depends how you t- define wrapped up. I guess the main well, it, the main uh, Avengers first X Men series will be over. Yes. Right. Yeah, I for me it's just that idea of like if they're on issue nine now, that means three issues from three months from now they should have issue twelve out. No, no, because it's best it's, case scenario, it's twice monthly, right? I totally forgot that, of course, because I'm not following it. But yeah, you're right. So in theory, right, they've got three issues to wrap it up, and they've got you know over the course of two months that even gives them a little bit of of, of wiggle room. Yeah, yeah, so. I don't know, you know, and it's kind of interesting. I I guess how can I put this? It's interesting that Marvel so far seems to have made a very concerted effort to like be like, yeah, no, we can make the trains run on time, and the trains have been running on time yeah. at least as far as this event goes, and that's I I want to say that's impressive, and I guess. I, I, and I will say that as long as it's pretty well understood that I'm kind of in opposition to just about everything else. No, no. Here's the thing. It is impressive, but it really mm-hmm. shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I doubt that it's impressive that they've done what they said they were going to do feels weird. It's like when people are like, it's so great that we've made it to a year of the New 52 and everything's been on time. And it's like, it's not great. All they're doing is what they said they were going to do. I, we should not be applauding people for just doing the bare minimum. Well, I don't know, Graham. I mean, on the one hand, you're right. But I, it definitely is, uh, if nothing else, I will agree with you that if people... Do what they say, you know, if they say they're going to do it, which is the the natural consequence of the, the direct market, that they do it is, yeah, something that shouldn't isn't worthy of throwing a party. No, but- On the other hand, that being said, I do believe a lot of people who say that it is harder to produce a monthly book than it used to be. You know, I, I just I do honestly believe that ironically. No, no, that's that part of it is fine. Mm-hmm. But. It, it isn't, it isn't. Like, it's harder to produce a monthly book if you're doing it in the old-fashioned way. If you're doing it in the new school way of you have a writer and you have an army of artists, mm-hmm. then it's not really. Do you know what I mean? If you have three different art teams to work on a year's worth of comics, like, sure. is it really that much harder? Um, I, I, yeah, here's the thing. I'm inclined to say yes for two reasons. One is 
unless communication is super clear and people are on it, it's usually, and, and I think this is something that you would probably sign off on, it's it's harder. It's it, from a traffic ha- management perspective. Yeah, from a yeah. traffic management pr- perspective, throwing more people on a project can actually slow it down after a certain point. But also, I just feel that there is, it, it's kind of the number, seeing the number of editors, for example, who have stepped up to essentially defend artists for like for for like the higher frequency of photoshopped references for mm-hmm. example where they're like hey you know what like it's it's a thing people do it there's you know essentially that the art has to look better than it used to have to look 30 years ago and i'm not necessarily entirely sure if i believe it but i do think that there's a lot to be said for the idea that that there is for any artistic endeavor the stakes can always feel high no matter on what you're what you're working on and i do sometimes sense that comic book artists are under a lot more pressure because they feel their art is capable of being scrutinized a you know way more than it used to you know what i mean like there's never that thing of god help me like even when john ramita jr was starting out on uncanny x-men you know there was no idea that that stuff was going to go digital and be thrown on you know a tablet where people could tap and zoom in on the art Mm -hmm. you know and and yet that's kind of that's part of the expectation of the marketplace now and um i don't and I'm not necessarily saying that I subscribe to these theories per se, but I oh, no, I've seen them could, un- I mean, out enough. No, but you could definitely yeah. say that uh, art of all forms, not just the comic art, but anything, is mm-hmm. more visibly discussed now, and yeah. visibly taken taken apart. And I think that does have a, a reaction that does cause a reaction for the artist, because whereas, I mean, whereas before you can be like, you know, well the sales are up and I don't have to see. What people mm-hmm. are saying, like, they could hate it, but sales are up, so I guess that's okay. Right. I don't to, read the letters page, and I'm fine. Yeah, you know? as opposed to – no, but not even I don't read the letters page. I don't see all the letters that are sent. Whereas now, it's like, you know, I'm going on Twitter, mm-hmm. and, you know, I am – whatever. I'm Matt Fraction, and I'm mm-hmm. going on Twitter today. Chances are a fair proportion of his Twitter feed is going to be about the thing he wrote. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's – that's just crazy if you think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Or to or to cut to um, something that was happening just before we we were talking. The Mark Wade versus Newsarama. Mm-hmm. You know, like I didn't even write that list. I was not involved in that list. But mm-hmm. seeing Mark Wade completely lose his shit over that, mm-hmm. and then go on a rampage. Mm-hmm. It like brings up all complicated feelings in me, and it's like, mm-hmm. you know, imagine that if a you were responsible for that thing, right? And b, it was more than one person. Hmm. Right. Exactly. Right. No. Absolutely. I mean, it does get to that sort of. I mean, you know, but I mean, even you can look at shit like look at TV shows. You know, in theory, all of that stuff. The tools have made it easier, and yet it is actually harder. Like back in the day, it was like, okay, 22 episodes of a $6 million man, season in and season out, you know? And now people are lucky if they can get 
you know, 18 there. Actually, I think it was more like 26 episodes. You yeah. Know? And, and now it's kind now of it's like, like you, know, you might get your 13. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, and there's going to be a six month gap in between the, you know, the first part of the season and the second part of the season, you know, uh, because, because yeah, when you look at, you know, the, the second incarnation of Battlestar Galactica, it was absurdly more complex than the first incarnation. And I think there's a way in which people would say that that is the case with, um, you know, your average issue of Uncanny X-Men now. Like, even even if it's not, even if it's just Uncanny X-Men, you know, in, and even putting aside the crazy like, hey, and we're going to start double shipping, um, you know, despite the fact of back in the good old days when people couldn't, you know, send digital files I mean, I'm sure this is the sort of thing that you've been aware of, at least in my working career. What I'm aware of is, is like where I work 30 years ago, the deadline to get something out had to be like, you know, noon Friday in order for the messengers to get it to the place in the time. But now that you can send it electronically and it's now 1159 p.m. on a Friday night, that doesn't mean that it suddenly like those 12 hours suddenly make everything easier. You know what I mean? Suddenly you just have a lot of people running around losing their shit at 1145 at night, you know? So I just kind of think like the, the, the mechanics have indeed changed. I don't even know why I felt like saying all that. I felt like I just said it twice. Sorry about that, Graham. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Hey, you know, Graham made a really good point. That's why I'm going to make my point again. Blue. No, I I think that that's the way our conversation should go from now on. <laughs> Wait, say, instead, of, about... instead of like point, rebuttal, rebuttal to rebuttal, it should be point, rebuttal, point. Yeah. I point, mean, rebuttal, you know. point more, more loud. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Point more loudly. Well, okay. So here's – I think because there's part of me that's sort of uh, – I guess mm, part of why I was like, oh, I know, point is because it's very hard for me to turn around and go, well, tell me, Graham, since you brought up Mark Wade going on his little rampage, because um, I'm not exactly sure how comfortable you feel, like, I guess, talking about it. You know, I mean, clearly I, you I, brought I, it up. I don't but... know how comfortable I feel talking about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. So it's very hard for me to go about, be like... I can talk about mm-hmm. it in the abstract in a strange way. Right. Uh, for right. example, I think that he... I think that this was quite clearly the straw that the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. Um, I think if you look at what he was reacting to, like it's an insane overreaction. It's a really oh, yeah. like crazy overreaction, but th- it's also quite clearly not what he was reacting to. Do you know what I mean? Like cause he very clearly went from that to uh, Newsarama is the new wizard. Yeah, is the um, wizard. And I, uh, I. And beyond that, let, let's mention, because there is that stage where the, the tweet that I found very enlightening, for those listeners who weren't following all this stuff on, on Mark Wade and will oh, be yeah, hard-pressed yeah. in a way to look it up a week later. We should probably um, explain. Newsarama did a list of the uh, – on Tuesday, it ran a list of the top 10 movie – comic book movie performances ever. And then on Wednesday, it ran the top 10 worst comic book uh, movie-related performances. And number nine on the list was Christopher Reeve. Right. I think, and I was not involved in the making of this list at all, but mm-hmm. I think Christopher Reeve is in there as one of those, I'm going to say something outrageous, 
to generate hits things. Yeah. Because yeah, I, think, troll I, think, I think, honestly, if you look at it as anything other than troll bait, it doesn't really mm-hmm. stand up. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. like, it, it's I it's absurd. Uh, mm-hmm. And the, the, the text with it is kind of like, I know you guys are going to be mad, but which kind of is like, you're, you are kind of daring people to be upset at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's poorly argued too, which also makes you think like it's one thing when someone's got like a very like long held secret belief and they've just snapped and they're going to explain why. But that just like half the reasons were like, ah, scabbity do, you know, like his reactions no, no, in but, one but, scene in Superman 2 kind of were off, you know. Half the reasons in that list were like that, though, as well. It's kind of like, yeah, no, exactly. Hey, hey, Toby Maguire did a dance sequence. And you're like, that's not really his performance, though. Like, blame yeah. the director and the writer. Don't blame the actor. And don't get me wrong. I think Toby Maguire was terrible as Spider-Man. But I, well, think for, I think for real reasons, not for the reasons they gave. Right. Well, I mean, and this is the thing is I do for me, the biggest, which I think someone else might have pointed out is it's the 10 worst performances in in superhero movies with number 10 being the least offensive and number one in theory being the most considering that number 10 is January Jones in X-Men first class, which means that everyone else on the list is worse than her is right off the bat to me the indication that you're troll that you're you're trolling. What's well, you know yeah, what I mean? think when you do a top ten worst anything you're trolling. Sure. Really? Yeah. I mean, top ten bests and worst yeah. lists in general are trolling. Because the only yeah. reason those lists exist is for someone to get outraged. Well, they're the only re- let's put it this way. They're the only reason why those lists exist now. <laughs> is my feeling because honestly there are those of us who do i mean that's the great thing about it it's a weird vestigial like there are those of us who remember times when we actually made lists of our favorite and least favorite things and there was a reason for it you know i don't even know what that reason was but it but back before the internet you made those lists and it wasn't like oh this is going to start a great fight down at the comic shop. You know what I mean? No, like, no, totally, it for totally. Those reasons. And I, so I'm just I, saying, I, I, things I, I have think, changed a little. Yeah, but bit. here's the thing. I think you can argue as like my favorite or mm-hmm. my top ten. I think mm-hmm. when you try and say like objectively, sure. To, you know, I think I think that's. I don't know. I think when you start arguing that everything's subjective. Or obje- I always get objective and subjective mixed up. <laughs> We've had this conversation before. Um, you know, when you start saying this is a fact as opposed to an opinion, I think you really, sure. you really are kind of like, and do you disagree? Um, which is, right. is problematic, shall we say. Anyway, yes. Mark Wade responded very poorly to this. To be fair, lots of other people did too. Yeah. Lots of people responded very negatively to this. For me... It's like it's a you know it's a dumb thing, but it was written to get a rise out of you. Just just ignore it. And that's I guess how do I put this? I guess that's the part that makes me that I, I think the reason why I end up stalling out is I want to ask you about um, the the part that I'm afraid to ask you is go. So Graham, did the reaction to this really make you feel like um, like? A, everyone's so out of proportion to, with it that you you just think everyone's being silly. Or B, the idea that maybe you have become too closely tied to the Phoenix Force to be able to tell the difference between good <laughs> and evil. Oh, God. Um, I, 
I question my connection to the Phoenix Force on a daily basis, Jeff. Okay. Um, and that's partly like I. That's why I have such a problem with Mark Wade's response mm-hmm. because I I definitely feel that he completely overreacted because mm-hmm. it's a dumb list. Mm-hmm. But his larger criticisms, I think, to just completely ignore them is mm-hmm. also stupid. Right. I I think. I think even if what had set him off was dumb, mm-hmm. like even if what had set him off had been something that wasn't even said and he had misunderstood, right. as soon as someone is lobbying that sort of accusation at you, mm-hmm. you have to listen and you have mm-hmm. to have a moment of self-reflection. Mm-hmm. You, you, mm-hmm. Just, you just have to. Even if you know they're talking shit, mm-hmm. you have to have the moment of, how true is this? Like, let me think about what I'm doing. Let me think about what the site is doing. Let me, let me think about how all this goes together. Because otherwise, you then just go, ah, you're talking rubbish. And that's, that's really dangerous. When someone is criticizing you and someone is criticizing your work, the worst right. thing you can do is blanketly deny it without a moment of self-reflection. Right. Um, because the worst that can happen is they're, you know... The, the worst that's going to happen is you think about it and you've wasted the however long you took to think about it because you disagree. And the right. best that can happen is you're like, oh, they're right. I can change this. I can fix this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why, that's why the response that has been happening online to this, mm-hmm. to wage response, has been really problematic to me. Mm-hmm. Um, because the response has been to take it personally. Mm-hmm. As opposed to actually engage with it, right? Um, because a first of all, I think Mark Wade is being incredibly facetious when he says that it's not personal. Mm-hmm. I think he's really, I think he's really baiting people. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he takes things out of context and says things like, "I would be depressed too if I were to news drama," that's mm-hmm. like that's trolling someone. That really is. Mm-hmm. Um, but to respond to that with, I'm trying to do the best I can. Hey, what are you talking about? What? <laughs> it's also like, don't get defensive. Like, actually think about it. Right. Right. Like, yeah, I, no. I, it's actually, actually go, you know, is this true? And if it is true, how can I fix that? How can I change it? If it's, is it not true? Like, right. as opposed to just being like, what am I supposed to do? You know, why are you shouting at me? Well, but uh, here's the thing. This goes back a little bit to some of the stuff that we were talking about with before Watchmen and uh, essentially the plight slash curse of the freelancer, you know, is um, freelancers don't always you don't you don't get to call the shots because you're doing the work for someone else, you know, so your choices at a certain point are here's the thing. I guess in that case, because mm-hmm. I'm in that case, mm-hmm. you just don't engage. I think you do the self-reflection quietly and you come up with your own reaction quietly. I think going out of your way to be like, don't blame the messenger, man, is... Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. I agree that with that part. But I'm just saying that um, let's say, for example, you were like, you know what? I've been thinking this. There's really something to it. I am not going to engage in any more quote unquote snark pieces, you know, at um, Newsarama. 
you know? Mm-hmm. And then the next time that you get asked by your editor, you know, or your editor turns around and goes, okay, so I want you to work on, you know, top 10 list of silliest dressed superhero TV spinoffs, you know, you kind of, you're in that weird position of like, okay, do I say like, you know, you're like, well, okay, no, but, you know, if you're, like, really tied to, if that's your main check and you you don't want to participate, like, you're kind of in a bit of a bind, you know? And I think there's a lot of people who are retroactively very quick to be like, hey, man, don't look at me for crying out loud. I'm just, you know, it's like, that wasn't my idea. I just had to do it because that's, you know, because I got to pay the bills. You know, it seems to me like that's not altogether different from from some of the other. Uh, wait, 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 I'm now curious. Are you now saying you've come around to my argument on Watchmen? Are you saying that your argument is still the case and therefore people shouldn't be working for Newsarama? I'm confused. Uh, I, let's put it this way. I <laughs> would say no, 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 no. I would say part of me is, is like, well, clearly, if you feel that it's wrong to if you think that it has merit, that that the person's argument has merit, then it does kind of get down to the realm of like, well, then you shouldn't be working for Newsarama, right? Like if you if you do agree with those no, but, statements. But why? Why can it not get into this realm of I'm going to try and make it better from inside? Uh, you can, I suppose. I just don't necessarily see that being particularly practicable. I suppose. Like, I mean, you can't, I, let's put it this way. That is certainly, that is, I guess what we would think of calling the, what, the action comics number nine defense, I suppose. <laughs> you know? And I I definitely think, uh, I think in that sense, Morrison made a, a, a really interesting and intriguing case for, the, I suppose, for that level of participation. But uh, how do I put it? Um, there are ways in which, I am, I guess that's my problem, is I'm a little more uh, pessimistic. I'm less likely to believe, A, that the system can change, at least at this point. And when I say, oh, but I can change it from within, what I'm really saying is like, maybe I don't, someday. I, yeah, I don't want to necessarily take the yeah. step that I think I have to take. Exactly. You know, uh, like, it's kind of like, well, you know, it's kind of like, uh, maybe further on down the road is better than making a definite action here, especially when the definite action here means I'm going to have to figure out new ways to chase work to make up for lost income. I've I've literally just realized that like everyone who's listened to this is going to think that we're talking about me. And <laughs> I literally was like, this is uncomfortable because it doesn't represent my position. And yet everyone's going to think that it does. Um, no, right. It doesn't, people, it doesn't, it really doesn't represent my position. That's what I was, um, I literally, literally, as you were saying that, and I was talking about moral obligations and everything, I was like, oh shit, everyone's going to think that, like, I morally disapprove of what Newsarama is doing, and yet I'm staying there for the money. Oh god. Right, right. Well, and unfortunately, that does put you in that very uncomfortable position. I mean, uh, that, I guess that's when we moved into it, is this is like, okay, it's time for another realm of, I mean, let's put it this way. There's a way in which, and I could be wrong, that I do think that you and I, uh, as came out of our before Watchmen conversation, there is um, there is a framework that I can make noises from as a dude who holds a regular day job, you know, at a job that I 
you know, have made various compromises in for mm-hmm. varying degrees. Yeah. And then there's the position that you have from the freelancer, which is along the lines of, you know, which, which has a certain amount of like, you know, you, you can't necessarily box someone in as easily as all that, because there's a lot of, there's a lot of things to weigh out. So, I, so well, part I, of me is, I, I, I'm, uh, I'm, so I'm not I'm, saying I'm, that like, you I'm are just, saying this. No, but I'm disagreeing yeah. with like no. all levels of these. I think. Um, mm-hmm. I think that someone. Can, I think a freelancer can become very reliant on an individual outlet if that takes up a significant portion of their time, because it mm-hmm. is essentially like having a quote-unquote real job. Yes, it um, is. because it's it's such a regular amount of income. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think ultimately, also, I have like massive problem like comparing this with Before Watchmen. Mm-hmm. Um, because to my mind, this is first of all, it's a dumb list that shouldn't be taken that seriously, and secondly, the argument about Newsarama being wizard is on an entirely different and far less important scale than before Watchmen is. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, so I, like, yes. I, I find like you know what I mean. Like I find that analogy kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm also not entirely sure what you're asking me. Well, I, you, well, yeah, because I think, uh, yeah, because like, I, I think I, but, I'm doing so a I'm bad just... job of presenting it and digressing it and trying, trying in a way to like say, no, this isn't about you, Graham. Well, somehow, somehow making it seem like it's more about you. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's not about you, but it's very much grounded in what we do for a living, each of us. Are you asking me like... Do I feel I should quit over this? Or no, 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 no. Of course not, because I I would feel comfortable in believing that if if you really fa- like a, like a if you really thought that these arguments had merit at that kind of level, you would either you know uh, w- you know work to change it or you would leave. So I I don't believe that you would be see kind of, um, you know, all caps conflicted and still continue to stay in the position because you needed the money. But I'm, I'm also kind of relatively aware that despite the fact that, um, you know, Newsarama makes up a certain amount of your earnings, and I, I don't know what the percentage is, but just based on the fact that I see you lots of other places and at some very prestigious gigs, I would assume that it's not the majority thereof. And therefore, how do I put it? It it would be it would also be easier for you to walk away in in that case if all of those other things were true. Do you see what I'm saying? So there's lot there's lots of ways in which I don't necessarily see that it's a um, similar thing. But I do think that there is something to be said to if you say that it's important to take what someone says when you get that kind of reaction seriously and sit back and seriously reflect on what you're doing, um, it seems to me that if you're saying that, then that means that you, to fully give that the merit that it deserves, that means that leaving, you know, or alternately changing the system has to be on the table. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to end up being the decision automatically, but if you're going to seriously consider it, that means that you're willing to consider serious consequences, right? Yeah, I mean, it's to to speak as myself now. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I have definitely like what Wade has been saying has made me think about like what is the direction of Musarama? Do I believe in what he's saying? Do I think right. there's things that could or should be done differently? Do I think those things can be done differently in the current right. setup? Can they be done? Can I can yeah. I help effectuate that? Can I facilitate that? And also, mm-hmm. do I want to? As well mm-hmm. as the other thing. Like is this right. something that I, I you know I want to be engaged in or would it be easier to walk away and mm-hmm. ultimately i think ultimately i think and i'm going to say this and this is just going to land me in so much hot water so we may end up editing this out um okay. what i think is that there is some there is enough reason for what wade is saying enough reason for him to say what he is saying mm-hmm. that it can't be dismissed out of hand and that it's something that has to at the very least be addressed internally mm-hmm. if not externally and interestingly enough i i don't know if it will necessarily get you out of the hot water or merely just like rotate your you you know thoroughly in it but i think and my feeling is is that wade's flip out is that Taking, you know, sort of taking a priori the idea that Wade is like an old dude who doesn't get social media and a variety of other things out of the bag. And part of the way that he's sort of marketing himself now is kind of like an old fogey who is sort of a new convert to these things and a a believer in the way that a lot of this stuff works, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Um, My feeling is that what Wade says is um, that for me, the things that Wade is complaining about ultimately is things that are so widely applied across the vast majority of the net that I think that even to the extent you can, you know, quote unquote, fix it at Newsarama, I find it kind of hard to believe. Like um, your, 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 Tumblr slash blog has had a variety of different quotes from bits and pieces of articles um, that are about people, I guess, considering the way that the web works and it's yes. um, potentially and, sort of, yes. And that is uh, some, that is something that, uh, as you can tell, is an obsession of mine. Yes. Um, but that's also what I'm talking about. Right. Like right now, I think the argument that Newsarama is becoming wizard because of mm-hmm. what it does, it's mm-hmm. potentially valid. But if you look at it in the context of what everyone else does on the internet, it's invalid. I don't think Newsarama is becoming wizard any more than any other website is becoming wizard. Right. And that's However, it. Yes. That doesn't mean that you can't do other things anyway. And sure. so seeing I, – I don't know if you saw it, but today I put up a link to a story about um, – Gawker.com is doing long-form essays on the weekends, which are mm-hmm. traditionally a, a non-traffic time for them anyway. And mm-hmm. they're like, well, seeing as no one's visiting the site anyway, let's do this thing that is probably not going to get traffic, but we believe in. Yes. I think I think it's a fascinating concept. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I, and I, I think what the, the current editor of Gawker, who's been there since January, is doing in terms of – like he's also the one who created a – okay, once – like every week, someone is going to be the traffic whore for a day. Right. And they're going to be responsible for getting the traffic 
for for the site for that day, leaving everyone else to do important stuff. Like mm-hmm. all of that sort of formulaic stuff is fascinating right. to me. And I'd love to see that translated into comic journalism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I mean by like taking Wade's comments seriously and, and, and thinking about them. It's not so much that because what something that I reacted to with Wade and also lots of other people have since confirmed to me in email and, and private messages mm-hmm. is Wade seems to be saying all these other comic sites are great and Newsarama is shit. And mm-hmm. I think that is at best uh, naive and fed by his own biases. Yes, absolutely. And, and I, think if, when, I think when he made the comment about like, and DC, like their heads in DC's lap, that was like mm-hmm. a really weird, unnecessary thing to say. And I felt like he was playing his hand, like overplaying his hands in a way. Well, I, I think it was good. I don't know if it was overplayed, but it was nice as it sort of revealed his, what sort of his biases about his, about um, Newsarama's perceived biases, I guess. Yeah. You know? Exactly. And, yeah, and, so and that so, is helpful. But because I, I genuinely think, I mean, I think that other sites do other traffic hoary things. Mm-hmm. That's a setup. Definitely, definitely Newsarama does the, and this is a, a, like a recognized thing that it does top tens. Like it is what it does. Like one of mm-hmm. my things that I have to do for Newsarama is a top 10 every week. Right. Right. And I'm, you know, I'm clearly not the only one doing that. And well, so it, it really has like gone for all in, in the, okay, listicles, listicles are going to get us traffic. Well, listicles, right. Listicles. And especially that combination of list listicle slash slideshow. That's, I hate endemic. Yeah, yeah I, 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 most hate, of us do it. Hate yeah, slideshow for about, but yeah, it's what's there. Yeah, I wish I all I always wish lists could be on one page. Well, but the, right, exactly. But the, I guess this is my point: is is that's endemic not to the comics web industry? Oh, no, that is endemic in- to the internet. You know what I mean? Like that is that is Business Insider, that is Forbes, that is fucking SF Gate. You know. It is any number of sites that I follow. It is clearly a way that people have figured to maximize traffic. It's just commonly accepted wisdom. So, yeah, the idea that that Wade is saying these things about, you know, Newsarama is absurd because not only are you saying like it's the rest of the, you know, the comic markets, but it is the the rest of the Internet. The Internet is a machine. Not, but, to, but, to, but to be fair, I think what he's actually addressing with the wizard comments it's mm-hmm. content, not the format. See, I think what it, he's addressing, honestly, is the bias uh, in the content, not necessarily the content. You know what I mean? Because honestly, yeah, but, it could yeah, be but wrong. To, but to me, that's the content as well. Do you know what I mean? Like the yeah, bias sure. is part of the content. Well, or is the is the part of the content that he's frustrated by? Sure. But it, it, yeah, yeah. Okay. You know what I mean? Because no, no. this is my thing, and you might disagree with me, but I think that um, you know the things that we associate with Wizard as being bad uh, really siphons down to the biases and the things that the goals that they were sort of operating toward. You know what I mean? Whereas, like, honestly, I think the Comics Alliance is a is a website that is more like Wizard, except that it is not it's operating from a completely different set of like goals you know what i mean but in terms of it trying to be kind of a like hey this the this is 
you know, hip people talking about comics and hip people are interested in comics and hip people can tackle things that are interesting and comics are cool is pretty much the same. It's but the way in which the biases factor into, you know, wizard being like, and that's why, again, Marvel's, you know, the wizard, the pro Marvel bias or whatever, you know, I don't know. Do you think do you think I'm mistaken in that regard or uh, I? <sighs> I don't know. Again, just stop fucking going after everywhere I work for it, for the love of fucking God. <laughs> no, I'm I'm saying that a good thing. I like – that's what I'm saying. Comics Alliance is a good thing. I like Comics Alliance and what's more, the approach to it is a good one. You know what I mean? Like I don't know how to describe it. It's like Comics Foundry looks more like – for those who remember that sort of thing – looks more like Wizard Magazine than it looks like the Comics Journal. But because it's operating – it operated from a uh, belief in what comics could be as opposed to a belief in what comics could be worth, you know, it became, it's a very different thing. You know what I mean? And so when I'm like, when you go to me, when you go to comics Alliance and there's something about new shoes with superheroes on it, you know, it, to me, it's got, that is closer to the sort of thing you, I couldn't no, no, have imagined no, I, that no, thing I, before Wizard, if you see. No, I so. totally understand. Or when you've got like the you know best cosplay of the week. Yes, exactly. You know, um, I, I can I can see what you're saying. Um, Without bashing, just... if you see what I'm saying. So, um, you know, I, to me, it was just that weird. I once once Wade started listing some of the other sites that he thought were you know plenty good. I was like, but those sites are like. You know, it's either like someone saying, well, sure, by all means, you know, French vanilla is great, but ignore French vanilla bean because it is terrible. Or there's somebody there's a very different bias from it, which is that, you know, they're both French vanilla. The difference is, is one is French vanilla being served to you by the devil and one isn't, you know, (laughs) who exactly is the devil in this case? Spider Hitler. What's what's funny about this mm-hmm. is I don't know. I seeing Wade's going crazy on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Did it have a Steve Wacker thing for you or not? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, like a, like a really weird quasi bullying thing, but like mm-hmm. quasi bullying in a the bullying when like the bully makes like grabs your hand and makes you hit yourself and goes why are you hitting yourself over and over mm-hmm. again like that like the it's all funny really but it's also really bullying mm-hmm. yeah that i mean there's a lot of bullies on the inter- uh, uh, not well, not well, just on well, the yes. internet but i mean but there's a lot of bullies in the comic in, in comics media and to me the big thing about bullies is they have problems with anger management and they usually tend to view themselves as victims you know so which is part of what ties into their their anger and their aggrievement and their hurt that sort of builds into that whole cycle wade's again wade's always had that wade's been threatening to punch people on the internet for a long time he's done a great job reforming but it was it was like watching someone snap and be like, oh, right, right. This is the angry uncle. And believe me, yeah, comic, the com- comics industry and comics 
commentators, there's a, there's a lot of angry uncles there, you know? It <laughs> reminds me of Wacker. It, honestly, it doesn't, it, it reminded me of when Tom Spurgeon flipped out in the Savage Critic comments, you know, over something that somebody said and, and went on for like 15 comments about, about how stupid Brian, Brian was being, you know? And it's, yeah, it, it just, it's insensible and it's creepy when it happens. It really does make you uncomfortable because it's not, I don't, it's not just that it's not appropriate to the level of, you know, Christopher Reeve on a Superman list. It's just not, um, acceptable level of discourse generally. And, you know, it, and when it pops up from someone who earlier tends to complain about the nature of discourse being sort of too callous on the internet anyway, to me, that's kind of like a, a big red flag, you know? Uh, and in what way? Uh, in, in the way of the bully, you know, in the way of they're, they're thin skinned enough that it, that they can get mad and flip out and then they flip out and they just kind of do all sorts of like really bad and crappy things. And then afterwards do a, well, come on, it was just a joke or a, well, you know, like I'm not doing anything any differently from what anyone else is doing or the, I deserve, you know, well, you deserved it category, you know? So, that's kind of my thing is I think, I think Wade from the few times that I've interacted with him has been absolutely a, an incredible gentleman uh, and really concerned with treating people right. Um, but I, how do I put this? But I also think that he's got, um, you know, he's got those little buttons that you push and suddenly, uh, you know, he just sees red and flips out. And I don't I'm not I don't say that as an excuse. That's not a good thing. That is something that should be addressed. And I'd like to believe that that Wade, for his part, um, I'd like to think has addressed it because this is the first time that it's happened in a long time. And I do remember there was some weird period where it seemed like every four months he was talking about punching somebody you know, in a message board post. And it was kind of like, yeah, that's not, you need to tone that down there, you know? So, um, so yeah, the Wade thing, in, intensely uncomfortable, but um, I'll be curious. What I would, I would hope is, and this is the thing that bothers me, is, is that I do worry that Wade isn't going to walk out of this like three or four days later and kind of look at it and go, geez, what? what is wrong? You know, what am I doing? What's wrong with me? I suppose. Like, am I overreact? Like, what am I really overreacting to as opposed to kind of be going, well, I've always been a hothead, you know, kind of thing. So, yeah, I, I, I would not expect that at all. I think his, um, boycott of newsrama is, is here to stay for a while. At least mm -hmm. I, I don't think he's going to reconsider. Well, I, yeah, because I don't see – I mean, this is the thing. I don't pay attention – I don't know enough of what's gone down the pike with him and Rich Johnston at Bleeding Cool. But I've never seen any point, at least in print, where Wade's like, well, you know, maybe I was a little um, too hard on Rich. You know, And it, like I said, I don't know when Wade flips out. I don't know half the shit of why he's flipping out 
you know, to the degree that he is. Like, I don't necessarily know if Johnston has done half the terrible shit that people act like he really has done. I honestly don't know. He certainly does a great job of seeming like he's not and is tries to, you know, um, I don't know, act uh, apology. It seems to act like someone, like a rational person would react. So... But that's no guarantee of anything, you know, from from a distance, you know. So, mm. <laughs> quick, Ram, let's talk about comics. <laughs> okay, then. Hey, Parker, the score. Go. Y- you. Uh, well, here's the thing. I've been reluctant to talk about Parker, the score, and I've been trying to figure out why. Because I actually picked the book up, I think, the opening weekend that it came out, which was probably San Diego weekend. Okay, can, can uh, I throw something at you then? Please. It's good, but it's not as good as earlier books. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, uh, yes. I, I, I really think it's not. I think the first half of it is is not weak because it's it's really good, but it's below mm-hmm. the level of the other books. I think the art looks like he's taking less time on it or less care on it. Definitely in terms mm-hmm. of like line weight and in terms of uh, uh, of putting the, the page together, it mm-hmm. seems to have less thought in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the book doesn't really come alive until the second half, and, and also I think the story is much more straightforward. Mm-hmm. And because Parker doesn't have as much personally invested in it, it just comes. Damn out it! Much that was my big point. Exactly. That's my big point. Is is that I think there's a real problem for me. You know, um, Cook is doing an adaptation of the Parker series, and. The first few books, Parker is personally invested, but because because the point of the character is really sort of how much of a machine he is, like how thoroughly he's in the anti-hero camp, he neither carries the he doesn't he doesn't really propel the story, you know, in the way that you're used to having stories be propelled. You you know what I mean? Like the the whole weight of screenwriter mechanics over the last decade that's all about personalizing the drama you it's very easy to fit those two books into an archetype that we recognize and as somebody who has read other stark books they're enjoyable reads very much in that quote unquote disposable way because they're written incredibly well. The dialogue is is cracking. You love how all the pieces are assembled like a puzzle, but it's not – it's like calling it a work of drama, you know, becomes more and more problematic. Like in this book, in the score, the two characters that really propel the the piece are, you know, the guy who ends up being the villain of the piece and – Alan Grofield, the other thief on on the score, who ends up becoming you know a character in other Richard Stark books, um, and you can see why because he is. You can do the Parker type stories uh, with Grofield, but Grofield has a um, uh, heart to him. Is <laughs> yeah, the hook to him isn't his lack of heart. So yeah, that, interesting that's the thing. Here like, is, Parker is mm-hmm. such. Such a an intentionally cold fish mm-hmm. that exactly. it's it's hard to give him an emotional connection to what's going on because it. I mean, it's practically his entire hook is he's detached from everything. Like he's the cold, calculated yeah. one who doesn't buy in. Yeah, um, exactly. 
And so, but for the first two books, though, you have an emotional buy-in. The first one, he's coming back, he's settling scores. The second one, he's trying to basically tell everyone to leave him alone. You know, and he's like, exactly. if this is what I have to do, this is what I'm going to do. And the third one is like, and then they call him in for a heist. Hey-ho. Right. Right. And, and that and it, is it, the degree really of hard. the books from there on out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The other thing, but thing for me is I feel that, that could still be up there with uh, the outfit, which is still, to my mind, the best of the books. Because mm-hmm. the outfit has that stunning sequence where the heists are happening and Cook completely changes how he tells each heist. He does yes. the magazine sequence. He does the, you know, practically, you know, here's the iconic guide to when the captions are above it. I, and this book has nothing to approach that. This book is like straightforward Cook doing comic strip all the way through, which is still beautiful. But when yeah. you're coming from the outfit... Like, and he's raised his game that much. There really mm-hmm. is a sense of like, oh, so this is just a straightforward Darwin cookbook. Well, you know, and it, su- yeah. it suffers in comparison, which is a real shame mm-hmm. because in itself, do you know what I mean? Like if you, if you hadn't read the earlier books, you'd read this and you're like, that was great. But because see, you have, you're really like, oh, <laughs> that see, was great. I, I see your point, but I, but how do I put this? I kind of disagree because there, because there was stuff that stunned me in the score in terms of how cook because it's not as showy as in the outfit of like okay i'm breaking down all these heists and i'm telling them in different ways but the way that he assembles all the pieces of what's happening when the town is being robbed and he does it in ways Specifically, like the sorry in the score, super, yeah, in the score, yeah. When when canyons with, with being the arrows, yes, exactly. No, that's that's exactly that's, that's nice. And the there's also the I'm looking back at the book. The, I like the visualization of the fantasy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that part's great. Like I really like that too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. It just it feels less inventive. I mean, for my mind, the the best like the the page that just made me go whoa was the explosion and the double page spread where there's no black on the page at all yeah i think that's lovely i mean that Mm -hmm. really is that that completely just jumps off the page um but even i don't know i just found it i really found it lacking compared with the outfit and the the problem for me is like i read the score last night Mm -hmm. and the night before that i read the outfit and the night before that i read the hunter Mm. So those books are really fresh in my mind. Right, right. So I and they're not, help, but compare them. Right. They're not as fresh in my mind. Um, but for me, it's just a thing of, hmm, how do I put this? I just unfortunately had this feeling. And this is as somebody who loved the Parker books and hunted them down like early back when they were a thing. And I'll totally admit, I did not make my way through the entire sequence. I bought the entire sequence, but you know, trailed off at some point because as enjoyable as they were, they were um, the popcorn books. You know what I mean? It's like you can sort of read one after the other. There's things that you admire in them, but they do they do precisely what they're supposed to be doing, which is you're not necessarily going to mistake them for, you know, Dostoevsky anytime soon, you know? And the thing that, that sort of catches me with this book is I'm like, man, this is a lot of fucking effort. Like it's a lot of effort on Cook's part to turn out something 
that is just this. I mean, it's a very good example of it, but it is, um, it's, it's kind of like a really well-tooled machine. Like, and that it, it feels, it feels not altogether worth the effort. When Gil Kane did something like His Name is Savage, um, he was fighting to establish an entire different form of, 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 um, literary genre within the medium you know and i don't mean literary and liter in 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 the sense of literary i just no, mean, i i know what you mean you know what i mean like he's like okay i want to see why don't we have like a men's adventure book there's a reason you know you can have it and you can have it be dynamic and violent and great and you do that and it's like by bringing like i feel that cook really has such a love of the quixotic of the idea of like yeah you are a consummate professional and you bring all your tools to bear on the job and you turn out the best product that you can and it's phenomenal but i really kind of putting down the score was the first time where i went you know i think maybe we've moved past that event horizon there's a different there's a different goal line now the score feels weirdly small uh, to me, I kind of would like Cook to try and do something bigger than just an adaptation of what used to be a 99 cent paperback. Definitely the top of its weight class for a 99 cent disposable paperback, but still kind of a thing that is um, there's 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 not really anything that sticks to your bones, you know. Well, yeah, that that's just it. I, I'm. I don't have any problem with the 99 cent paperback part of it, but I feel mm-hmm. the earlier books, I don't know if Cook had more to prove or mm-hmm. he was just having more fun with it because it was fresher or whatever. Right. This feels, this just feels much lighter. This, this mm-hmm. feels weightless compared with the earlier two books. Right. And to me, I think that that is, uh, on the one hand, it is a faithful adaptation. I Don't get me wrong. I think that's great. And this is the thing. Somehow, and this is going to sound weird, if this were done as a, a series of like, you know, six color comic books that the guy did over the course of six months, it'd be like, hey, that's fantastic. But somehow in the course of holding it as a 24 page, you know, $24 book that this guy spent like a year or 18 months of his life putting together, part of me is like, dude, man, you gotta, there's more out there to you. And I don't know if that's for you. And I don't know if that's just me being kind of some inherent snob. I don't say that it's not like I I want Cook to like be like, oh yeah, now let's have him go adapt The Great Gatsby or something like that. It's just more the idea of like, um, I, w- I want to see him write his own stuff because I feel like he, at some point, he even if he tries to do his own Parker, like create his own Parker character, there's going to be something of him that's going to come out in the process of it, and that's interesting. You know what I mean? Like, all I have here is absolutely absurd assload amounts of talent, and I feel like a jerk for complaining about it because it's enjoyable, but I really kind of had this feeling of putting it down. I didn't feel like it was a waste of my time. I kind of felt like it was a waste of Cook's, you know? And that's... It's kind of that weird feeling of like, yeah, you know... I when they talk when I read the panel and it's like yeah they're talking about doing like 
you know, they're torn between doing five books or doing six. I'm like, dude, don't – like maybe wrap that's, that's really funny. You know? I, I saw that today as well and I, I didn't have the same reaction but I was more like if you're going to do six books, take more time between them and do something else to cleanse your palate. Yeah. I don't know, man. To me, I'm like Cook's already 50, I want to say, 51. Like I don't, I don't know how much longer he's got, you know – uh, of his prime and part of me is like yeah get get to get to something that's weird like even if it even if it takes long i'm not saying you know it's it's like it seems weird to me to break out of the the batman spider-man ghetto and then essentially start building your own ghetto <laughs> yeah your own ghetto you know what i mean like and again there's part of me that's like it just feels different to me than say when Brubaker and Phillips are doing something like criminal or even if they're, you know, jumping into something like fatal, you know what I mean? Like even at, at the level of professionalism or something, there's still, I don't know. There's just a, a an area where the axes cross, you know? No, um, I, to- I totally, totally get that. I don't so, know. It's, it, it was weirdly disappointing, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. It was. And, um, like I said, it took me a, it took me a, a while to be like, was it just because of the before Watchmen thing that I'm actually really I, reticent? I, I was really wondering that. I was wondering because mm-hmm. there's not been people talking about it, and I was wondering is that because of before Watchmen hangover, or is that because it's just like we've seen him do better work? Yeah, it's it, it's, it, not, it, it's not novel anymore. Yeah, well, it's yeah, exactly. It's not novel, and there's this weird realm of like you feel uncomfortable saying that you don't like it. Because, you know, it's superior work, but you start going, but it's not what Cook's capable of. And and kind of what does that mean? You know, why isn't it what Cook is capable of, you know? Um, Or again, that that weird thing of like you want to hold off and be like, maybe this is really about as good as Cook is going to get, you know? Like he's been around for a while. His work is phenomenal. And he's very good at interpreting stuff, but a lot of it is very much in the nature of interpretation and pastiche. And he may not have something in him um, that is ever going to be able to to leap above that. You know, there's never going to be anything that really sticks sticks to you. And it's not. And it's not. You know, again, my feeling is is not every piece of work needs to be. Something that really like you're like, oh, that taught me something about the human condition, you know, but there's a certain level where it's like, but if it's this much work and there's this much talent of being applied, shouldn't you at least give it a shot? You know, it's one of those weird things that I have trouble with with European uh, novels, the European graphic albums, where it's like it's this absolutely fucking phenomenal looking piece of work and then it's just a spaghetti western pastiche for 96 pages and i'm yeah yeah or or you have some ridiculous like space opera that's like and here is princess tits out yeah princess tits out or even just one of those things of like god damn it you know we really love you know the gangsters and here is you know eight you know the most amazing cliched stuff that you've ever seen in your life. Yeah, like it's, even when it, it's it'll bring you to your knees. How beautifully it's drawn. Yeah, just don't read it. 
Right. Well, and that's it. Like, even, and I think that's the thing. The older I got, the more I was like, oh, okay, I get part, a part of the problem was when you see work like that, you're like, holy fuck, I'm expecting something that's going to bring me to my knees. And it's kind of more like, no, nah, it's kind of a halfway inventive sort of quasi derivative uh, spaghetti western slash princess tits out space fantasy. Enjoy. And you're just like, really? That's it? You know what I mean? Because there's so much layers on there. And you know, I think that's the thing that's really hilarious for me is the stuff that I loved in the superhero market, you know, that some of that stuff look really does can look like cheap base crap. And yet, yet the ambition is, you know, it's like, I don't it's, care if I have Sal Basima. It's, it's sincere crap. Well, it's not even necessarily, I mean, it's not that it's sincere crap. It's, 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 um, it's crap where the ambition is kind of ferocious. It's like, I don't care if it's being drawn by Jim Mooney. I don't care if the, if the character is a mindless walking carrot, you know, I am going to tell a story about modern alienation. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of, you know, bare in, you know, in between the ads for, you know, um, fucking spider-man and conan coins you know it's just it's to me there's kind of that thing of like there was so much ambition that was being brought to bear like being squeezed out of the corners of a marketplace that was so quick to descend into formula and it's really kind of hard for me to see guys again like the europeans are like cook where it's like they fucking have the skills and the freedom to do anything and there's a little bit of the but you're going to do this, you know? And it's weird because part of me is like, if you're going to do it, it's fine, but do it in like two months and then move on, you know? Don't spend a year or two years on it. It just... So what you're saying is you're a snob. (laughs) I'm trying to, I'm trying (laughs) to place it in this weird context of like, you know, cause I'm, I'm clearly not a snob, but I'm, I'm apparently trying to like put my thing. Apparently I don't like my, uh, my my lilies to be too gilded apparently is the thing you know there's a, a like I'm a huge fan of like the Raid Redemption which if you look is not a highbrow highfalutin movie I do appreciate the level of attempt to make it be about something that it is but it's also very much a thing of like I'm also glad that it's not a three hundred million dollar movie, you know what I mean? And I, I guess in a way, like when you see those guys, those movie critics complaining about like it's three hundred million dollars that you're throwing at this film, and all you can tell is this story. And I don't necessarily feel that way about film, but I, I goddamn, I, comics do mean a lot to me, and um, and so it does feel similarly. I got to tell you, can I talk about Daddy Cool a little bit? Because this may be yes, it's yes. an odd transition. But um, so Daddy Cool is a graphic novel adaptation of the book by Donald Goins. And Goins, uh, I don't know if you know, Graham. I was familiar with the name, but was not a guy that I had read any of. I, I'm was, not even familiar with the name, so. Yeah, he's a um, crime fiction author who worked in the 70s, early 70s and and late 60s, very uh, influenced by another crime author who I hadn't read, Iceberg Slim, whose book Pimp 
and I don't want to, I don't, can't remember the, the other name of his other book, were pretty influential. So there's kind of a whole thread of, of African-American crime fiction that probably starts before Chester Himes, but Himes is really what I'm familiar with. Himes, Iceberg Slim, Donald Goins. Goins... I, I, Iceberg Slim was like weirdly hip for one of a better way of putting it uh, in Britain yeah. in like the mid to late 90s I, I feel like Pimp got reissued or something and was massive uh, yeah. apparently it was followed by Trick Baby The Naked Thank Soul you. of Iceberg Slim Mama Black Widow Long White Con Airtight Willie and Me and Death Wish A Story of the Mafia right Right. So Slim wrote a lot. If you jump over to uh, Donald Goins, you'll see that Goins had written actually a, a pretty substantial chunk of titles himself. Something phenomenal. I want to say it was something like 16 books in five years. Wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and he probably would have continued writing more if he had, he and his wife hadn't been gunned down by two guys who were never caught leaving leaving their two kids like orphaned this was in uh 1974 so going you know what's crazy mm -hmm. all all these books must have been published after his death then uh yeah because one two three four five six seven eight nine books were published in 1974 alone mm -hmm. nine mm -hmm. to be 16 so that must have been after his death yeah, so he was he right. So he was writing. He had written a ton of stuff. He started reading and writing. I think after serving time in prison, uh, he was a heroin addict. He had been a pimp, uh, and had done a variety of other stuff. So, you know, he's a guy that, like I said, I'm sort of familiar with because for us anyway, in the '90s there was kind of a crime fiction renaissance sort of forming around the spine of of Black Lizard books where. Uh, Chester Himes, Jim Thompson, David Goodis, a whole bunch of those dudes came back into print. And like Goins, all of those guys had been very popular in France, of all places. So uh, so Daddy Cool I, – so I know this – I knew about Goins. I stumbled across this. I, I literally had half an hour to kill when I was over in um, the Western edition and ended up in the library. And the graphic novel selection there is – so much better in a lot of ways than um, than what I'm used to here in my cozy enclave of Bernal Heights. And one of the things that I found was a, a little black paperback that is a graphic novel of Daddy Cool adapted by Don Glutt, um, who you may remember as, among other things, I believe he wrote the, the novelization of The Empire Strikes Back uh, and also the, worked The on name sounds horribly familiar. Yeah, if you look him up, you'll see why. Because you're like, oh, God. Like, you know, he wrote four issues of The Invaders. He wrote a couple of issues of Conan. Uh, he's sort of all over the map in terms of Abe actually, for I will have to link it, Abe actually interviews him on one of the few interviews that we have up on SavageCritic.com. He actually just sort of showed up at a, a film retrospective because Glut has actually worked on a variety of super B and C uh, list movies. Uh, is I re recall correctly, you know, um, he has a self-published book on Amazon. Uh, well, I don't know. I take it back. It's not self-published. Another publisher picked it up called Brother Blood, which is a um, basically uh, an African-American Dracula hitting the Sunset Strip in the early 70s. Um, 
you know, kind of uh, supernatural thing. Oh, and the art is by Alfredo Alcala to Daddy Cool. So, okay. so the thing that is amazing is uh, you've got Alcala doing some astonishing. I mean, I've always kind of liked the guy's work, but his work here varies between just absolutely fantastic detailed stuff and kind of crazy crap. Um, and what's scary is because this is in the size of a paperback, like, you know, like your average paperback, there are, I would say, about two two panels to page at the most and the occasional full page or double page spread. So imagine someone taking a black and white comic like a Savage, Savage Sword of Conan and then cutting it up and pasting it up at two panels per page. And this is being done by... Uh, Jesse Dina, who did the cover and book design, assume that he is insane because he has action shots that are done in like a tiny square and then like a full page panel of someone opening a door. Like clearly it's it's completely like however I can paste up this panel onto this page is going to be the way that has every once in a while you'll get something that is very appropriate to the number of pages per panel but like he literally has a scene where a guy throws a knife into a guy's chest uh in one tiny panel and then the next two pages are full page close-ups of the person who threw the knife running down a set of stairs so it's kind of like awesome so there's that's how you paste these things jeff (laughs) exactly exactly there's nothing like real world world pacing um I had no idea what to expect from Daddy Cool. Like I said, not knowing anything about Goins. It is the story of a master hitman, former pimp who owns a pool hall, who it's it's a little bit like King Lear is an exploitation movie. He essentially gets so pissed at his daughter for dating a guy that he knows is kind of a low life pimp. That he gets so angry at her that she basically runs away from home and sure enough ends up being coerced into turning tricks by the lowlife pimp. Meanwhile, there are two stepsons to Daddy Cool who are from his wife's first marriage who are in the process of basically as Daddy Cool comes back and also chastises them to like sort of like, you know, live their lives right and start stop fucking around are, of course, driven into like a web of running crimes with their friends and trying to, you know, gunning people down and picking up a proclivity for teenage rape. So Daddy Cool, because I didn't know anything about Goins, Daddy Cool starts off seeming kind of like, um, like he could have been like the character, like the a character from Goins's previous novels, like a dude who was such a badass motherfucker that he is a knife throwing assassin, but has his secret identity as essentially a, a family man. If that's the case, this is an amazing novel to adapt for the comic book uh, format. Because it, Goins' entire life, uh, Daddy Cool's entire life essentially falls apart during the course of this novel. And at the end, where essentially everyone ends up in various stages of death and, and degradation, you really kind of, it's kind of that great moment of like, oh, so 
daddy cool really isn't cool. You know what I mean? Like Goings is really talking about <laughs> it's how irony. It really is. It's he's really talking about how this this father figure of being cool of 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 hip culture for African Americans in the ghetto during the 70s is actually a dead end trap for everyone. Uh ends up being kind of wildly effective it was it was kind of a brutal sort of depressing read despite the fact that the art is crazy and the the adaptation is um uh, without nuance i suppose and so this is the weird thing is i ended up enjoying this this book daddy cool donald goins it's I think I, I want to say it's out of print, but really what happened was the publisher totally went out of print and then somebody bought up the things. And I think you can actually find copies of this online. God help the people who want to hunt it down. And yet weirdly at a six ninety five chopped up paperback at something that is itself kind of this weird, it, it's utterly compromised in just about every way, but because it's about, it's a crime novel about compromised lives it somehow is so much more satisfying to me than than the score, even though the score is, you know, a gorgeous book that was created, you know, by a craftsman, not to, you know, desperate guys trying to make a paycheck, you know, adopting the work of this one guy who really did have something to say, but, you know, was literally cut down before he could take his really prodigious career uh, into all kinds of interesting directions. So it's it's kind of a fascinating experience. Not recommended for everyone, but man, I'm really glad I stumbled across it. And I'll be honest, I will probably try and get myself a copy of this thing um, to own just because it's that crazy. I have to admit, I kind of want to read it now. See, I know. This is my problem. I'm like, <laughs> okay, how to wrap this up while pointing out that Graham would not actually like this in any way. But, um, you know, if I do end but up with a copy, I feel like I want way. to. <laughs> Well, and you really might. I could be totally wrong. If nothing else, it's one of those things that I think when you're when you're a fan of comics, you can just look at it and be fascinated. Like at one point, I swear to God, Alcala draw, draws a close-up of somebody's head. But because the word balloon in the panel is too big, he he or the editor actually takes the head and skews it at about the nose level over by just like i don't know eight degrees or something like that and you're just like how did they think that was going to be okay like you know like maybe it was something where alcala thought it would be all right not knowing that that was going to be blown up to half the size of a paperback book but i was just stunned that it's like it looks weird and wrong and yet by the next page you're all but willing to forgive it because there's just an absolutely amazing drawing of somebody's shoe you know, has some. I kind of want you to try and hunt down the Judge Dredd paperbacks that they put out in the mid nineties now, oh, where they really? took they took like the Brian Boland ones and they cut uh-huh. those up in exactly the same terrible way. Wow! To, to fit into a standard paperback to the point right. where like they will cut panels in half. Yes, and like yeah. stack stack them on top of each other. Yeah, <laughs> to, to make um, a fit. If it's a particularly wide panel, they have no problem just living like chop, and like they'll they'll fix fix quote unquote the lettering. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's I know exactly what you're talking about because I read exactly I read like completely chopped up Boland. 
mm-hmm. uh, in the, the mid nineties that way. Yeah, exactly. And I, that that was my first exposure to Steve Ditko Spider Man, and also to Barry Windsor Smith Conan, actually. And is it Windsor Smith or was it was it Basima? I think it was Windsor Smith. And in both cases, I mean, the great thing is, is when you're a kid, you don't care, you know. Um, and then later on, when you see this stuff, there is something where it's like on the it's. It's such an atrocity. It's somehow charming. You know, it's like, oh, this is so bad. Like what they did to this stuff. But, ah, oh, comics. You know what I mean? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, comics. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No, I think I really do think I want to track that down just for the, the weirdness of it. Yeah, yeah. If I can, if I can find, if I can find myself a copy that I can, I can actually have for myself, I will at the very least lend it to you. Uh, and if I, because I really have this thing, this so seems like the book that time forgot. Like I can't believe that if I don't hunt around, I will find someone that's selling like eight hundred of these for like ten cents a piece. Yeah, it you're, just you're, seems like you're gonna go on eBay and someone will be like, "I have all of them. I have every <laughs> single copy of this book ever published. Ever published? Exactly. I have uh, the the entire second print run that I ended up inheriting. And please come come take it. <laughs> um. Did you you did you read Action Comics yet? Action I, Comics I did. I did. Yeah. That, and, that 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 is it for what I've read actually. Action Comics and then. Part, <laughs> right. oh, no, I read Black I, Kiss I did, number two. I yeah. did read Earth Earth two as well. Oh, good, um, good, good, good. Action Comics. I I liked. I liked for reasons I didn't expect to like. Uh, oh, and yet I was still like, "Huh, that's it. Huh, guess you're rushing." <laughs> that's funny. I actually because. I was not impressed with issue 11. I was kind of like, huh, really? Uh, issue 12, I liked a lot. For one thing, was it really clear in the previous issue that it was Captain Comet? And no, I just no, that, that, up no that. That, that came out of nowhere, this issue, which I really liked. It was a great reveal. It was kind of awesome. And I was like, oh, of course. Like, that's really well done because – because it's kind of perfect for the new 52. It takes enough of the Captain Comedy stuff from the original guy and then, you know, grafts it onto this new character that it's it's kind of awesome. Uh, I liked it. I kind of liked the the way that he resolved the Mitzelpitalik stuff or the way he sets up the resolve for the Mitzelpitalik yeah, stuff. Yeah, I, I really like that. And that's a lot of the reason why I liked it. I liked that mm. it. it felt like at the end he was like, it's all coming together. I like that she's also the fix of the... Clark Kent is dead. No, he's not. Thing. Yes. That literally, that literally is just okay. I'll just, I'll just have to wish this away then. I kind of really appreciated that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, that was actually really, really funny and odd. Um, I, it, but yeah, it was. So overall, it's interesting that you didn't enjoy it as much as I did because I'm like, hey, that was a good book. Because really, what I just what I want is the thing about it was issue twelve is the first issue that reminded me of Carrie Bates slash Elliot S. Magan Superman comics. You know what I mean? I th- in a weird way, I think that's almost what I didn't like. Ah. <laughs> I, th- I, I had real problems with his, I have speed read every medical book in the world, and I'm going to operate on Lois myself. I had real mm-hmm. problems with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's because... Don't get me wrong, Grass and Superman has always been able to do everything, but it's yeah. just making it far too obvious that he can do everything. Well, 
um, yeah, I think the I think the thing that's sort of frustrating is is that um, is that yeah, his Superman scaling up way too quickly, and I think that was the real problem for me in this half of the issue. Is it went from you know because I I love I really love the Captain Comet stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Captain Comet stuff was great. Actually, weirdly enough, it was the Captain Comet stuff that made me think more of Magan and Bates. I suppose I don't know why. Personally. I know I, I I can weirdly see that. Yeah. But um, but yeah no it's actually the super operation which feels like such a classic Superman moment that I, I really had problems with it yeah that he's it's interesting that Morrison screwed himself up you know because that is that's not this Superman that he's established yet and so for him to suddenly go okay but this is it then it's kind of like wait what, what, you no, spent the last I'm, eleven I'm, issues and then mm-hmm. from that point on like he's also like I can read this thumb drive with my you know thumb drive reading vision yeah which, which is can. hilarious like what? like what yeah it's like that, that's Grant, just it's like, not on there in little pieces of paper like mm. that, yeah that's what that's what I mean like all of a sudden it feels like he's rushing towards his end because it goes right. you know from the super operation to I can read the thumb drive with my thumb ri- drive reading vision to um, Mixopithelix aunt being like, I'll wish everything away. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's like the last 10 pages or so. He's just like, got to wrap it up. I've only got four more issues. Go. Right. Well, and that weird thing of like, you know, but I'm not going to notice that Batman planted a, a, a tracer on me. You know, did you did you catch did you pick that up? They do something with the coloring, so it's not real obvious. No, he he did. Yeah, he dropped something in or something. Yeah, what happens is so there's the thumb drive reading vision, and then Clark and then Batman, uh, Batman like, says, "Yeah, I followed Clark Kent's tracks uh, from the moment of his arrival in Metropolis to the uh, incident of his apparent death. As you can see, it makes for interesting reading. The next page is a close. Uh, the next panel is a close up of the two of them, and Batman is putting his arm around Superman. And there's that little blip that shows you that he's dropped a bat tracer on Superman's cape, and yet Superman apparently has not noticed that. It was kind of a weird like, what? I you know just more from the timing. Like I, it's like if you want me to believe that that Batman can plant a tracer on Superman, okay. You just can't do it on the same page where he's read a thumb drive with his eyes. You know yeah, what exactly. I mean? Like, or, for that matter, the next page where he's talking to Mixelpidelic's aunt. And mm-hmm. what does he do in the last panel of that page? Is he looking at her spine? And if so, why? <laughs> Wait, let me let me look at that. Uh, when he's look uh, on the next page. The first page well, of yeah, the Yeah, he is. Page. Yeah, you're right. Have you been drinking or smoking or... Yeah, no, I don't no, you haven't. Yeah, mm-hmm. what is going on there? Yeah, the, I don't like. Know. I don't I'm... understand. Yeah, at the end, it just feels really, really rushed. It feels like he, he's really like, you know what? I'd planned to do this for a couple of years. I've decided I'm going to give up after issue sixteen. I've really got to get to the end. I have to say, um, although I was, what's the word? <laughs> as delightful as it was to get sixty comments on it in two days uh, on our podcast. Oh, that that was that was. I kind of loved that. <laughs> I did that whole conversation. It got it got heated, but I yeah. loved it. Yeah, it was interesting. It was very very interesting. Um, I, which is the word everyone criticizes me for using uh, to to in abundance. Uh, what is really funny is I never say interesting on the podcast, but if you read blog and newsarama, I say interesting there all <laughs> all the time. I'm always like, it'll be interesting to see this. 
every... It's funny you should mention that because my current novel, The Spectacular Adventures of the Spectacular <laughs> Mr. Spectacular, is... I was trying to figure out where that influence was coming from, and it's just now <laughs> sinking in. Huh. I'll be damned. Well, wow, that's sobering. You're a dick. <laughs> oh, in some ways, I suppose. I... <laughs> anyway, I thought it was fascinating that that people uh, that someone floated the the idea that unless unless this was an, something you'd said during the podcast, I completely ignored. Essentially, that like, well, of course, Morrison wanted Flex Mentallo back, and then when they didn't give it to him, he decided to wrap it all up. Well, he, was, he he suggested as much in his interview with CBR. In that interview at CBR, really? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. That because I that I'm not I'm not sure if he came out and said I'm not sure if he came out and said I asked for it back and they wouldn't give it to me. But he definitely talks about how he'd want how he'd hoped it would be creator owned and he hated that it wasn't creator owned. Well, that but that was that much earlier version, right? Or yeah, no, that's what I mean. Yeah, that yeah. that interview. Okay, the early, I, well, like, that's it. Right. Flex Mentalo, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So there's the the article around the time Flex came out, and then there there was this interview where he's talking about wrapping things up, and then some people in the comments I felt were talking about it in a sort of you know a a, a complete kind of way, and I'm like, huh, a I hadn't considered it, b I can't believe that that's ever you know that that is quite as a fait accompli as you know there, there's. I would think I would have heard about it uh, on the internet, even without looking for it, if that had really been something that had been said. But it's an interesting idea that I'm, I'm kind of, I'd be kind of interested, interested. I'd be fascinated by. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Fascinating, Jeff. Yeah. This, this is sad. I, I have to jump. Because we have been talking, we've been talking for longer than normal. Oh, holy shit! You're right, Jesus. I sort of. Um, uh, it's because we talked for so long about Newsarama. Uh, again, everyone, I'm really sorry that was probably far too inside baseball for you people. Although that said, I just did that firm spring, and like all the questions I've been asked are about comics journalism. So maybe not. Maybe people really want to know about comics journalism. Oh shit! You did do a firm spring thing. Is that currently open? That won't be yeah, open yeah, by the time yeah, we. Yeah, I did. Yeah, no, it's, it is. Oh really? Okay. Did, did by you the time have the conversation? Visit? Yeah, no, no, no. I have, a, have the conversation yeah. uh, on Twitter. So basically, uh, David Brothers does his "Ask Me Anything" things on his Tumblr, right? And I was like, I love it when people just say, "Have you heard this album?" Like right. the randomness. And I was like, I'm mm-hmm. totally going to do that. And I was yes. thinking that then, like, then someone else was like, "What do you think about Matt Seneca? Isn't he a dick? What do you think about Matt Seneca?" And I was like, <laughs> "That's that's terrible. What the hell? I'm totally going to do it." And then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. I, but only only three people have asked me questions or something, so it's not a big deal. Oh, shit. Uh, well, A, I would I would read them, and B, I would ask them. So did you have did you post the Formspring link on Twitter then or something? I have, I twice. Uh, well, see, I, again, dude, this is – I know we have to jump, so we'll have to talk about this next time. I think I'm kind of drifting away from Twitter. It's weird. That's, I don't that's know okay. if I'll be back. <laughs> Well, I don't know. There's a lot of people on there that I I really like that I wouldn't necessarily talk to otherwise, and I don't know if I'll just end up emailing them or yeah, well, I kind I, of like I posting stuff when I do. But I, I yes. go back and forth on Twitter. I should mm-hmm. have noticed there are times where I'm just not on Twitter at all, and there's times where I'm oh, it looks like I'm only on Twitter. Um, yeah. And I think that's I think that's perfectly reasonable. I think it's fine that every now and again you're like I'm kind of over checking Twitter all the time. 
Well, yeah, that's kind of at this stage where I think because I did that one road trip and I just didn't, because if nothing else, I was driving. I literally was not checking Twitter while we drove and stuff. And at the end of those three days, I'm like, my blood pressure is so much better. I don't necessarily know if it is, but I just sort of come back and there's kind of that weird, suddenly you're sort of out of the flow. And as it is, I'm doing such a terrible job working on my own writing that there's never a stage where... I feel comfortable enough to like open a Twitter window and see what's going on. I've been trying to see that I'm we, like, we, you and I have had this conversation before. Like yeah, I'm exactly. Twitter really therapeutic when I'm blocked exactly. and you find Twitter the very opposite. Exactly. And because I've been, I would have to say more blocked than not over the last couple of weeks on what I'm working on. It means that I'm just not anywhere near it. So, but that's neither here nor there because you really need to jump. I'm shocked that it's so close to five. Um, uh, I, so am I. <laughs> yeah. That's why I was like, holy shit, I need to jump. Uh, and I just realized <laughs> there was something else I read that I wanted to talk about and I didn't. So next week, ask me about uh, – what's it called? It's called <laughs> The Crackle of the Frost. The Crackle which is a, of the Frost. Which is a Fantagraphics book that's coming out in September that they sent me a copy of um, because it's really good. And so Son next week – Definitely ask me about it. It's really spectacular. I definitely will. Oh, my goodness. All right. Okay. Well, uh, on that note, listeners. Hey, we'll be back next week because we've got another week before our our week break. I think that's right. (laughs) No, no, it is. This is our second week back. So we have one more week and then we're we're doing our our rotation. Okay. Yes. That's the way it works, Jeff. Stay I, with I'm me on this. Stay it, with it me may, on this one. It may change, Graham. It may change. <laughs> oh, really? I'll, I'll let you know. Basically, there's a... <laughs> there's a you, thing. We'll, we'll there, talk off recording. Exactly. Exactly. Well, in that case, everyone, uh, Jeff and I are going to leave you now to talk about this off recording. This is like when your parents are like almost having a fight, and then they're like, we'll talk about this later. And they leave <laughs> the room. <laughs> we'll talk so about true. this later, Jeff. Exactly. We'll talk about this later. Listeners, (laughs) eat your greens. We'll talk to you next week. (laughs) Bye! (laughs) Uh, Yes.